What's that? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zom. Yay. Episode 25. This week, bringing you some vile British gangsters. And that, by the way, was a vile British gangster yelling, No! No! No, 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 at the beginning, which it didn't sound very good, but I tried. Whatever. I didn't even, I couldn't even hear it. Oh, well, fuck it. Episode 25! Yeah, it's we're like a milestone. Like, we're almost like half a year old. Ugh. So yeah, uh, this week we have uh, a Richard Burton film nineteen from nineteen seventy one, Villain, and a Ben Kingsley, Ian McShane, Ray Winstone film from two thousand, Sexy Beast. Yeah. We will be talking some movies and some other shit. Shit. How are you? Oh, sorry. I guess I should just introduce ourselves as well. I am the Loaf with the the Zom. Hey, hey, hey! How you doing today? Eh, pretty shitty. I felt like crap all week. I can't sleep. My nose won't stop running. Just like, ugh, fuck this week. And you have these big white powdery like boogers in your nose from that are some some kind of strange white powder. Yes, I, I keep trying to pick them up with my nostrils off of mirrors with rolled up one hundred dollar bills. Just never ends. Uh, how are you? What, what's uh, what have you been up to this week? <laughs> well, now that you ask, um, I've been watching a lot of movies. Uh-oh. I have been cleaning up a lot of fucking dog mud butt. Uh, that was a, that was a um, not a two day event, but one in the morning and one in the evening. That was a um, one of the one of the babies had some. Uh, oh no! Yeah. Oh my god! It was fucking bad i they were in their kennel downstairs sleeping i was upstairs uh on the computer of course and uh i thought god you know just i felt had this this uh, just slight smell and i thought my shoes were sitting there and i, th- I looked at them i thought did i step in dog shit and oh, track it in the house no well when in the morning when i went down to let them out and i opened the basement door it immediately <laughs> just hit me but they there's all these blankets in there so of course when they when they when whichever one i think it was mary uh had this big fucking glop of uh like a big plate glop of mud butt uh they at least covered it up with the blankets but then it was all mashed all over the blanket just like pudding 
Oh, that's that's good though because when uh, when my in the past when my dog used to get mud butt in his crate. Uh, he would just fucking stand there in it and lay yeah, in it. Yeah, track it around. <laughs> oh, my God. So my wife would come in and let him out in the morning, and then there would be like one out of four, every every one out of four footprint of shit across oh. the carpets. <laughs> We'd have to put him in the bath, and I'd have to fucking take the crate out and hose it out outside. It was the worst. Uh, you know what? But you know what? It beats fucking um, uh, my dog. That's the first time since she was a baby that she's done anything like that. And if she was, and, and she's just a little over one year old, if it was a one year old kid, you'd be changing shitty diapers <laughs> fucking ten times it, a day. It's true. It took a while for us to figure out. My, our our dog used to get that all the time, and um, he got better about when when it would happen, like making some noise to let you know, which was good. Um, he rarely rarely is ever shit in the house, but he did shit in his crate a few times, and. Uh, but we 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 finally figured out like his diet stuff and like he just got a weird stomach and we ended up putting him on Prozac actually because we kept going back to the vet like listen man we uh, once your a dog month, was on Prozac he is we once a month he was getting diarrhea like crazy like for like three days in a row I'm like what the fuck and we'd have to take him out like every two hours which is you know tough to do when you actually work or whatever um, and. Uh, the the one that we were taking him to kept doing test after test after test and blah 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 and you know nothing ever seemed to help it always come back no matter what food we tried or anything and went to a different vet and he's like well maybe he just has you know colitis anxiety yeah <laughs> and he's like and colitis could be he's like do you ever notice like a pattern and I was like well you know usually if we ever keep him at a kennel he'll get the shits afterwards and stuff like that he said it could just be anxiety he's like try this it's cheap it's uh, and it's, it was the cheapest it's like ten bucks a month for these tiny little Prozac pills and he hasn't had the shits in like months now. So it seemed to help. Well, you know, I, I, I tell you what, I, um, I, I got some, um, like organic or health food, something or other chili, canned chili. And I looked and make sure it was gluten free and everything. And, uh, I <laughs> ate it and quite frankly, um, I kind of had the same situation, except you know my mud butt went in the toilet, and I gave them <laughs> what was left. And you just covered it up with your blanket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I gave them some, and I think that we both. I think it was just that chili. It was uh It was like uh, I think I can't remember if it was turkey or chicken. Was you, it? you gave your dogs canned chili? No wonder they. Oh, they was, eat every everything I eat. They eat. that was them uh, protesting. Like what the fuck? <laughs> eat <this>? Yeah. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. Those fuckers eat. Well, I was going to say they eat better than I do. They eat exactly the same as I do. <laughs> and, and then the fucker, I I ate like a, a this great great big. Um, like Dick Rambone size banana, and I got down to to the end, and I was like, "Yeah, there's probably a couple inches left." And I was like, "Man, I don't want any more of this." So I just threw it threw it out in the yard. I think it's you know it's biodegradable. It's going to rot. She went out and got the goddamn thing, ate the rest of the banana, and brought the peel up on the fucking porch. And she's done that with apples and oranges, all kind of stuff. But anyway, that's that's about it. Goddamn, that was like what a half an hour talk about dog shitting and dog shit. what have you been doing, Zom? Well, I'm a clean love dog diarrhea and uh, lots of laying in the bathtub watching watching movies on the iPad. Oh, isn't that the greatest? I love, I love Ace it. Player for those of you that have iPads out Fuck there. Fuck yes, and a way to convert films to digital. Fucking look for Ace Player. 
it, it's even worth – I think it usually costs a couple bucks. It's worth it. It's like VLC for your iPad. So you can take these fucking movies everywhere. It's fantastic. The subtitles work, like external subtitles. It's, it's great. All those fucking movies that, that, that you've bought that you never got a chance to watch, <laughs> <laughs> you'll finally find – I'll walk through the house yes. like, and hold the thing while – because I'm like, okay, you know, if, if it's on my desktop, I'm watching a fucking movie. Then you know, if I want to get up and go take a shit or I want to go up and take a piss uh-huh. or I want to do this, I have to pause it and it takes twice as long to watch the movie. I just fucking – I, I ought to have one, like something that fits on my shoulders, like a shelf that comes out in front of me. <laughs> it, it can sit on, but I just hold it. And yeah, I, I was watching. I watched uh, Sexy Beast at work on oh, uh, oh, while I was silly. closing down on on uh, Monday night. Uh, I was upstairs turning off projectors and stuff, using one hand to turn off projectors and sound uh, sound stuff, and watching <laughs> holding Sexy Beast in my other hand. It was pretty awesome. All right. So, uh, well, speaking of which, uh, movies this week. What have you been watching? Oh, my God. Uh, well, first of all, uh, just, uh, you know, this is kind of, I don't know if it's stupid when people do this on their shows or whatever, but we uh, must um, oh, right. the <laughs> passing of uh, Ben Gazzara, who is a uh, legend. Uh, I'd say he's a legend. Um, killing of a Chinese bookie, husbands. Uh, he played Jackie Treehorn and, you know, um, Big Lebowski and Brad Wesley in Roadhouse. Uh, also, Bridge of uh, uh, um, Bridge of Remagen, which is a World War II movie he's in. Him and George Siegel, which is really good. Uh, but yeah, you know, he's an old, older guy. But God, I remember when I was growing up, that fucker was in a ton of shit. Yeah, it just seemed like every time he turned around, he was in something. Um, what have I been watching? Well. I watched uh, Murder uh, Inc. or Murder Incorporated with uh, this was uh, Peter Falk's first starring role, uh, and it had Stuart Whitman in it too. Um, I liked it. It's um, uh, I think Simon Oakland was in it also. Uh, good movie. It's um, not really as it's kind of a no. Nah, well, it's a true story. It's all about um, uh, Louis Lepke, and uh, they had the uh, the mafia had a, a gang of um, of uh, assassins or professional killers out of Brownsville that they just, that's all they did. They said, you know, you guys just sit around and you only kill who we tell you to kill. And when, when you don't have any, you just sit around waiting for the call. So, the, and then they would just go all over the country uh, for, you know, the, the whole mafia or whatever. But anyway, it was good. Peter Falk was fucking excellent in that. Cool. And uh, he'll come into something else I watched here le- later. Uh, the next thing I watched was, was – I never even heard of this fucking movie. And I watched it. Um, I, f- I found it on Netflix Instant Watch, and it's called Monkey on My Back. And uh, it stars uh, Cameron Mitchell. And, uh, you know, when you look at the poster that they show, I thought it was one of these like um, – what was the uh, pot smoking movie um, that they made back in the like the forties or fifties? Oh, Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness. Yeah. That's what it kind of looks like. But it's actually the story of uh, a real professional boxer who was like a three or four time different weight classes uh, world champion, uh, Barney Ross, and it's really fucking good. And Cameron Mitchell's, you know, he's younger in this, so he's not the the. Um, the uh, beasting eyes that he was in uh, that, that fucking uh, what the hell's the goddamn movie where 
Oh, it's not John Michael Thor. <laughs> God damn. Whatever. <laughs> the guy, the Rambo knockoff where the guy wears the Daisy Dukes and nothing else. Oh, right, right. Um, I, fuck, I have it on VHS. <laughs> yeah, I got it too. But anyway, um, he's, he's pretty good in this. And, and it, um, uh, it goes through his entire like career starts out when he's boxing mm. and then he's, you know, kind of got a gambling addiction and then he goes to world war two and he was at the battle of uh, Guadalcanal, a bunch of really bad shit happened. And, and the, the fucking fighting, the war stuff scenes in this were really violent. Uh, and then he, um, he got malaria and they gave him morphine for that. And so then he got hooked on, on drugs, which for the time, I mean, it's pretty, pretty, um, you know, risque subject matter for that time. Yeah. Uh, the next one I watched was the, the movie Howl. Uh, not like Thurston Howl the Third, but like, oh, Howl, <laughs> uh, with James Franco, uh, John Hamm, and Jeff Daniels, also on Instant Watch. And uh, it's pretty good. Um, it's about Allen Ginsberg. Um, and this uh, obscenity, tri- obscenity trial they had about his book Howl, which, uh, you know, I don't know if it, I had seen him interviewed a million times, but I never read any of his stuff. But yeah. he was uh, one, like a beat poet back in the day. Um, and he was, uh, he, like a lot of stuff, because he was a homosexual, and a lot of the stuff that he wrote were, was about like his life on the road and things like that, and very explicit. And um, but it was it was pretty good. It wasn't it didn't really light my fire, but it was interesting just because of that. And it had some animation stuff in it while he would read excerpts from his uh, books. Uh, next one I watched was uh, Valley of the Dolls uh, with Patty Duke and the late Sharon Tate of the Charles Manson uh, murders fame. Um, this was really good. What <laughs> of the you know well, the one that was famous from from those for murders being, for being murdered when she was pregnant? Yeah, I mean, my God, I, when you're watching this, I mean, just for me, um, the, the only thing I ever saw her in was the Vampire uh, Killers movie with Roman Polanski that he directed and starred in. And my God, she was just fucking stunning. And yeah. just the fact that you know she got murdered like that when she was pregnant just really is oh. But uh, the movie's really good. Um, it's kind of a throwback, and it like uh, shows the uh, the dirty side of fame and Hollywood and all that shit. Uh, and uh, the, the um, one of the guys uh, in the movie that plays Sharon Tate's love interest is in the next movie uh, that I watched, uh, Bare Knuckles, which we're going to hopefully be reviewing sometime in the future because it is also on Netflix Instant Watch, and so was Valley of the Dolls. Bare Knuckles. I cannot recommend this more for people that like Grindhouse Cinema. It was fucking awesome. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> awesome, I say. Uh, the next one I watched uh, – so I'm not going to talk too much about that one, but it's fucking awesome. You'll love it. Um, uh, the next thing I watched was a um, – now, this kind of, this movie, they have a bunch of them on Netflix Instant Watch. Um it's called Inside the Mafia. Also starred Cameron Mitchell when he was really young, uh, and it was only like a, a like an hour and maybe ten or fifteen minutes long. So I, I mean, they had a movie post. They have a movie posters for it. So I was just thinking though, um, unless they showed it like maybe they showed it like as a double feature because it was it was it was short, but it was still you know eh, it was it, it was all right. Um, the next one I watched was The Guard with Don Cheadle and Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> Highly recommend this one. 
fucking Brendan Gleeson was hilarious yeah, in this. Yeah. He was awesome. And uh, Mark Strong is in it, of course, as a bad guy. Uh, but this one was good, and, and it's funny. Um, the next one I watched was a movie called uh, Texas Killing Fields with uh, Sam Worthington and Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Jessica Chastain. I saw the trailer for this, and I thought, man, this looks good. And it's based on a true story and everything. I got it. <sighs> man, you talk about something that was disappointing. Uh, it was disappointing. Um, it, it just seemed like it was all over the place, and the cops were so fucking dumb that my friends and I were watching it, and we were like, ugh. Um, not that it's it's not horrible. It's just all over the place, and they try and throw you some red, like a bunch of red herrings. And eh. anyway, the next one I watched was a movie called Drive with Ryan Gosling, <laughs> Albert Brooks, and Ron Perlman, and it was fucking still good. Um, oh, good. You you've changed a little bit though. No, I always said it was good. I just you. I mean, some people like I don't know. Some people are really. Fucking crazy, crazy over. I, 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 I don't know. I think maybe Albert Brooks uh, should have been nominated. I can't remember what else was was up for um, um, supporting actor. Oh, but okay. you know, Jonah Jonah Hill from Moneyball. But Jonah Hill was good in Moneyball, though. Was he better than Albert Brooks? Mm, I don't know. But I mean, it's still a good movie. I, I um, it, it was good. Um, there's some ridiculous stuff in it, though, like his fucking jacket and when he walks around with blood all over it for the second half of the movie, and that's not conspicuous. It's uh, awesome. Yeah, but it's kind of dumb. <laughs> and he kind of acts like he might be a little bit uh, touched in the head as far as like a little bit, maybe a little slow Yeah, because uh, he mumbles and doesn't say shit and has kind of like a vacant look on his face. But anyway, it is, it's a good movie. It's a good, it's a good uh, uh, macho movie. Um, the next movie I watched was The Producers. I have never seen this. Mel Brooks's The Producers, and uh, with Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder and Lee Meredith as Ula, who was fucking hot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But anyway, I thought I'd seen most of Mel Brooks's movies, but I had never gotten around to seeing this one, and it's fucking funny. I liked it. Zero Mostel was, was just awesome in it. Um, next thing I watched was a documentary called Dalek uh, Mania about um, uh, Doctor Who. Cool. I remember watching some Doctor Who when I was a little kid. They showed it on PBS, uh, but I never really got into it. And I know a lot of people and a lot of our some of our some of our fans fans. Haha, <laughs> I still feel stupid saying that. Uh, like Doctor Who, uh, <laughs> it, it was. It, they basically covered two movies that I think uh, like uh, Hammer Films made. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, about uh, Doctor Who and Cushing played Doctor Who, and it was interesting because they had you know the people that were still alive that worked on the movie, and sh- they showed some of the stunts and stuff like that, and how they did a lot of the stuff. So it was pretty. I thought it was pretty entertaining, and I'm really not into it. Next movie I watched was Real Steel uh, on Blu-ray, and it, yeah, and and. <laughs> That motherfucker was two hours and like 15 minutes long and there was no sense in it. They could have made it an hour and a half and it would have been just as good or just – and it really it really was not – like I'll tell you what. If I had a little son that was like you know five, six, seven years old, yeah. I, I'm sure you could take them to it and they'd love it. It's, I think it's geared more towards uh, like a crowd like that. Right. Um, eh. 
Um, the next thing I watched was uh, a recommendation from Bryn, uh, a documentary called uh, Dreams with Sharp Teeth. Um, it's about a, a writer named Harlan Ellison um, who wrote a lot of sci-fi stuff, uh, really famous. And he's just – he's he's famous for being like really abrasive and confrontational and like he supposedly threw some guy down a, a – uh, Flight of Steps or something like that and everything. Oh, uh, he wrote uh, like iRobot, right? I, th- I think so. But like, I, I'm yeah. not sure about that one, but he 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 wrote uh, he wrote some. Um, no, I, 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 I robot. I think it's Philip K. Dick, isn't it? Or yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Philip K. Dick was um, yeah Blade Runner too. Anyway, but the, this uh, well the you know fucking sheep dream of sheep or whatever. Oh, he wrote a boy and his dog, which will come up later in my conversation. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> I lost my pl- okay. There Sorry. I am. But the one thing about this one, uh, it, it kind of uh, ties in with uh, Peter Falk, which uh, you know, watched him uh, Murder Inc. Uh, was that Harlan Ellison? Uh, the first movie that he ever wrote, like wrote a screenplay for a movie, um, I think it was called Oscar or the Oscars, and um, he wrote it. And they said that Steve McQueen and Peter Falk were going to star in this movie, which would have been awesome <laughs> and they ended up getting like uh for the peter falk part was like tony bennett and i can't remember who played steve mcqueen part but it was some actor that was just kind of a you know a you know dud not a dud but just like a bit player or yeah. not even a bit player but somebody who was really just milk toast uh and it was they some some people ranked it as being like one of the worst movies and da, da, da. i don't think it was like you know plan nine from outer space but it just wasn't that good and um he was pissed so he know uh, he didn't write for just for movies anymore um Next one I watched was uh, Chinatown uh, with Faye Dunaway, Jack Nicholson, John Huston, Bruce Glover, Roman Polanski, and Burt Young, and this was fucking awesome. And as I was watching this movie, this is one of those movies that when I was watching it, I was literally sitting here, sitting there thinking, there's nothing wrong with this movie. This is a fucking 10, and I've seen it several times fucking great movie and Nicholson was just so awesome in it and the the, um, the costumes and you know everything they did was just fucking awesome it was great that's one of those uh, films I feel like I watched at the wrong time in life I've only seen it once and I was yeah. probably like 19 and I'm like I don't get it like it wasn't I didn't really care awesome. for it then I think awesome. if I watched it now I'd probably like it a lot more and the last thing I watched was um, uh, the and we'll be talking about this later was uh, the movie uh, Memphis Heat uh, the, about the uh, Memphis, uh, true story of Memphis Rasslin. Rasslin. And uh, if you guys want to, you can pick this up at memphis-heat.com. And here in the near future, we might be covering this. So uh, it's it's a good. Um, I'm a huge wrestling fan all the way back to the very early 70s, and uh, yeah, we'll be talking about it later. But yeah, memphis-heat.com is where you can pick it up, and they also have the Sputnik Monroe book and a Memphis Heat poster that you can buy. Um, and uh, let's see, also, and I I feel like a shit heel because I was talking to Roger Ward and um, mentioned that, uh, you know, uh, I think the last episode that I would mention that his book, The Set, is uh, still available on Amazon.com, um, and uh, they have the paperback, and it says on the thing that there's only two two of them left, but also one thing that they added there is, I think it's like eight ninety nine. You can, mm-hmm. you can uh, download it uh, for your Kindle. Oh, cool. 
Oh, and the last thing I want to uh, add is got some comics because Sammy told me he's a DC man and I'm a Marvel man, and DC just rebooted all their comics. Yes. Uh, and he said, "Let me tell you something. They're really fucking good. They made a good choice to doing this. And if you want to start reading some DC, now's the time." Uh, Marvel hasn't been lighting my fire. They have a couple books that I follow, but their prices are you know pretty high and everything. Uh, these DC books, um, their cover price, are, you know, not, is low. But then I get them online, and they're even lower. And what I checked out was uh, Green Lantern, and it is fucking awesome. I love Green Lantern. That I started reading Green Lantern a few years ago when I met the creator uh, Martin O'Dell. He, mm-hmm. I, he created the original Green Lantern, which mm-hmm. that ended up being a big mess with the whole, uh, you know, trying to figure out which universe was which in DC. And they tried a few times to kind of combine them. But he created the original Green Lantern back in the 30s. This is like it, it was like Superman, Batman and then Green Lantern. Um, and this guy was so cool. Like he was very, very old. I think he probably, I think he probably passed away, but, um, that kind of got me started reading original Green Lantern and then, which I got into like Silver Age, which mm-hmm. is the Hal Jordan Green Lantern. And yeah. I've, I've loved all those stories. I've read a ton of Green Lantern stuff. Well, this, this one, before I even started, I thought, you know what? I'm not super, I mean, you know, of course I'm familiar with, you know, Superman, Batman, yeah. and to some extent, some of the other ones. But I never, like I said, I never really read DC. So I got on Wikipedia and just pulled up Green Lantern, which has page after page of stuff. And, they, and, and I just got caught up on what has been going on. They, they you know, cover the highlights. And, uh, and uh, then uh, read uh, Sinestro's uh, biography on there. And he plays a prominent role from mm-hmm. beginning to, like, I, I'm on... Uh, Issue five, uh-huh. I got one through five, and the artwork is fucking fantastic compared to Marvel. Honest to God, and I know they have some books that are probably you know comparable as far as artwork and everything, but the artwork, the color, um, the story, just fucking awesome. I can't recommend the Green Lantern books uh, anymore than I than you know I'm gushing about it. But uh, I also got three. They still have three Batman books. One of them is. Um, uh, the detective one. Uh, the other one is just plain Batman. And the other one is Batman Dark Knight. Uh, as far, out of those three, I got three different ones. Uh, the uh, Just the plain Batman book was the best one. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have an ongoing story that's pretty cool. So check it out. It was really and that's we- all I have. It was really weird seeing Detective Comics re- reboot. Yeah. I mean, I guess all yeah. of them because Detective Comics, Action Comics, those are, those were the original. Superman started in Action Comics back mm-hmm. in, you know. Yeah. 38, 35, you know, somewhere in that area. And then, and Batman right around the same time. And to see a comic that was up in like issues 900. Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, I mean, that's. And then they, uh, now, now it's all of a sudden it's one. Yeah. And the one thing, uh, um, somebody recommended and, um, that, uh, I guess DC is doing an OMAC, uh, which is one man army Corps mm-hmm. uh, series. And I can't remember who it was. And I feel like a dick for, cause, uh, I don't know if it was uh, Bernard or who it was, um, but um, recommend that said it's it's like the best one they have going right now. So of course I got online and said, you know what, I'm going to get those because I mean right now I think most of the books are on uh, like uh, issue five or six, yeah. so you can go back and get like you know from one to six. And somebody was telling me, you know, you ought to pick this up, pick this up from the past. I'm just going to start from right now and just go f- move forward instead of going back and getting a bunch of uh, uh, back issues. And it was uh, Chris, um, 
I don't want to say his last name because I don't know if he – no, no, no. Bernard or Bernard did say that, and then Chris was talking about it too. So anyway, but it's uh, – yeah, thanks for the recommendation because I did have a, a, an OMAC um, graphic novel that John Byrne did uh, a, a long time ago, and I liked it. So yeah, I'll be checking they out as soon as they get here. I've, I've sung the praises of John Byrne before. I discovered mm-hmm. some uh, superheroes this past week that he created, and I'm just like, yikes, what was I thinking? Like, he, he had some <laughs> shit. Like, he did this one. I think he created this guy called Flatman, who, nice. who was not like, what? like the, the uh, chick that I posted with the, <laughs> the rather large poster- posterior. She obviously was not spawn of Flatman. Well, he, she, he would be like, she would be like Big Bertha, who can. Uh, the most Big Bertha has to be the most sexist uh, superhero ever because she can uh, readjust the fat in her body to wherever she wants to give herself like TNA to like woo. Nice. Well, nothing wrong or, with that. Or she can just be a big fatty if she wants. Or have to a be. big clit, like as big as Ernie Ladd's thumb. Yeah. So, and uh, <laughs> I think the way she has to get rid of the fat is to vomit afterwards too. <laughs> nice, nice. You know so, the thing I, I liked him uh, his run on. Uh, Fantastic Four was fucking awesome, uh, and I still have a bunch of those books. So that's where I really, really got into him big time. Well, Batman was like Mister Fantastic, except he can't stretch nearly as far. He's almost two dimensional, so yeah. that he can like his superpower is like he can fold into origami and shit like that. It's really, it sounded so dumb that he was part of the Great Lakes Avengers. You want to see a shitty superhero team? Look for the Great Lakes Avengers. Um, and I, I was going to recommend one more thing for you. The if you haven't read it before, uh, DC, the new frontier, um, Darwin cook, uh, mm. he wrote it and illustrated it. Mm. Uh, I think it was from, it's probably five. Oh wow. It's nine years old. Uh, it seems uh, it's been a while since I've been into comics, but, um, I loved it. It's kind of Ooh. like a, it's kind of like a, it's a mini series. It's like six issues and it's kind of a retelling of, um, the formation of the justice league. With Wonder Woman, Superman, Flash, Green Lantern, but it kind of is Green Lantern focused, and mm-hmm. it's 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 really good. I, I like I like his artwork a lot. He's got a very fifties style of illustrations. Kind of it's very stylized, but um, it's it's really it's it's awesome. I love that series. So, all right, we'll get into what I watched. So stop rambling about comics. Um, rambling man. I th- I can't remember. Did I mention that I watched Sorcerer? Last you week? mentioned it online. Okay. Yeah. So Sorcerer was where I, I, was, I had to figure out where to start on my list here. Um, I know the gentlemen have reviewed it, I, I believe, anyway. Um, this, is ja. with, uh, this is with Roy Scheider and uh, Joe Spinell makes a little appearance in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was great. Uh, I was worried at the beginning because the first 15 minutes. Kind where they of, were just showing the different, yeah, different like, people in different sections in different parts of the world. It was a little confusing. Like I was like, oh shit, is this going to be like some political thriller? I just forgot, you know. <laughs> the fucking oh my god, the special effects in this were really good. I, I think they used miniatures, but they looked awesome. Ah, oh, god, that fucking bridge. Ooh. The bridge is the worst. The uh, I mean, the worst in a good way. Um, that was fucking tense, man. And the I, I was I literally was shitting myself watching it. <laughs> I mean, now the original. Uh, movie just where they're driving. I I even said on that one because um, they're carrying like nitro mm-hmm. uh, or dynamite, which you know has it, it has nitro on it, or um, and so they had to go like super duper slow. Mm-hmm. But when they shot that one, um, 
I said, I never have been that tense watching a high-speed chase. This truck is only going like three miles an hour, <laughs> but they're showing like every fucking rock as the wheel goes or every yeah. pothole. And I was shit. My, that's the way it was with the bridge in this one. It's mm-hmm. like, fuck. I mean, I was – my stomach was like tensing up. Yeah. Like, you know, because I'm like, oh, shit, you know. Oh, that was awesome. This is a uh, – Jack off watching that. This film, this film, I think, got swallowed up by the Star Wars craze. It came out right around the same time as Star yeah. Wars. So it probably got a little forgotten, but – it's a William William Friedkin directed it and definitely worth ch- uh, checking out if you've never seen it. Um, well, then was that Star Wars or was that uh, Star Wars Four: The New Hope? Yes, it was New Hope. <laughs> oh God! Uh, I watched uh, I watched Super Eight on Blu-ray. I still haven't seen that. It was good. Um, it had a really nice nostalgic feel at times. Um, I mean, overall, it's probably like a three-star movie, like a seven point five. Uh, it's, um, but I, I enjoyed it. I mean, better uh, than Attack the Block. Just it's just same. different. I, you know, about the same. I, I like uh, both of them about the same. I didn't love Attack the Block, but I, I liked it a lot. I mean, and I like this a lot too. So, and um, I've heard some complaint about the monster in this one. And it's like you know, I don't care what a monster looks like as long as it can move around. It's fucking you know, it's scary enough. So. <laughs> Or the alien, I guess. Um, Here comes the blob. I didn't like the way it ended necessarily. I guess that'd be my biggest complaint about it. I mean, it was okay, but it how did it end? Just... Well, like when the like first, when the one guy gets killed. <laughs> um, it was the the ending kind of. It didn't build to it as well as I would lo- would have liked. It kind of just happened all of a sudden. The in if you see it, you'll know what I mean. So I watch that shit. <laughs> uh, I watched. Um, Grand Slam. Grand Slam. Grand <laughs> Slam, starring uh, Janet Lee, Klaus Kinski, Edward Ooh. G. Robinson. Jeez. Um, this is a heist movie from the late 60s. I've seen that. Yeah. In, is in it where place. Kinski plays like he's like a the like, kind of like guy. a military? Yes, that yeah. was. I like that movie. Yeah, it was, I it got was really it. good. Um, uh, Blue Underground put out the DVD for it, and it's uh, this is another one that's worth picking up if you like heist movies. I got, it, I got that on the Underground. It wasn't the Blue Underground though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> Picked it up for a song and a dance. <laughs> um, the um, oh, chili. <laughs> <laughs> Canned chili. <laughs> <laughs> the um, it, this is one. This is a heist movie that doesn't spend a lot of time other than on the heist, which I like. Um, and the second movie I watched almost in a row that had to do with uh, Nitro. So oh. they um, Tom's about to throw up over there. Ugh. Um. So yeah, that one's definitely worth looking for. Um. I watched a movie that was definitely worse than um. Than uh, ready to rumble that would be what? valor's kids um a, a guy at work at um bought this movie uh written and directed by a 12 year old girl okay. uh, it's animated it's a fantasy film um it looks like it was it's the 3d animation looked like it was like i'd say the sony playstation graphics were a lot better than this movie's uh, hmm. animation was really uh like the you know the mouth would just when somebody would talk it would just the mouth would just move randomly it didn't have anything to do with the words. how old is it is it a fairly new movie oh, or? Yeah, it's from like this oh, year it's nice. fucking atrocious and i feel bad kind of about yeah there's some little kids sitting there listening to this and it's like <laughs> crying right now oh my god because 
the problem with this movie is that nothing fucking happens. It's like every you can tell. Now I'll say this: I could not have written something like this when I was twelve because this girl's obviously a lot smarter than me. That said, she's still not ready to write a good story. This movie's well, an she's hour, twelve. This movie's an hour and a half long. Then don't fucking put out a, a feature length movie and have your don't put it out, you stupid bitch, until you fucking have a little bit of uh, you know chutzpah. Oh, it's she it's, has some balls to do it though. I guess her parents were loaded. You could just tell because they really? put this together. Like for drunk, her. yes. She had two black eyes. Cigarette burns. They uh, instead of things happening in the movie, it would just be somebody talking for five minutes about what happened, and it was just uh, that over and over and over again, and it was really boring. Um, it wasn't bad, and it wasn't even bad in a good way. There were some things that were bad in a good way, but for the most part, it was just really boring. So, uh. And I watched um, Outside the Cinema reviewed it last week. I watched a Giallo Short Night of the Glass Dolls. I don't know if this is exactly a Giallo because it doesn't follow that formula, but um, this one's pretty pretty cool because it opens up with a guy who appears to be dead and nobody can figure out exactly why, but he's still he's still alive because he's still thinking and he's like, don't put me in the refrigerator and blah, blah, blah. So he's trying to remember like what exactly happened to him and what was going on. And he's a journalist. He was a journalist investigating a murder and um so the whole movie's told in flashback of him in a anim- in a non-animated state trying to remember what exactly happened um it was pretty cool uh that's on that's on netflix instant so um i didn't finish this <clears throat> because i was watching it at work and um i just had to keep going back and forth to it and this movie's a lot darker than i thought it would be but it was you know back to our uh harlan ellison thing i watched a boy and his dog also on instant I watched most of it. This is a weird movie. I, it wasn't what I expected. I thought it was going to be lighter than it was. Um, as I'm watching it, I, I kind of felt it was depressing a few times, and I think it was because um, this this dog in the movie is presented as you know being very smart. Uh, he uh-huh. speaks telepathically. Have you seen this? No. It's Don, Don Johnson and a dog. And basically, how the, old was Don Johnson? Like young Don Johnson? Yeah, it's like mid seventies. Okay. Well, still, he, that's mid seventies. Yeah. Does okay. he does he always have a real th- heavy Southern accent? No, nah. oh, no. Because he did, like he did this the Southern accent in Machete, and it's a very he's from similar. Florida, I think. Oh, okay, it, okay. Well, he he's not hiding it here at all. So this is this takes place in a post post apocalyptic world. Um, the dog. They trade off, so the dog travels with him. The, for for him finding food for the dog, the dog mm-hmm. sniffs out women for him to bang. Nice, but well, sounds good to me. It's really dark. Like I thought it was going to be kind of like be really good if the dog if they both did the girl. I'll say that the women apparently the women found don't necessarily want to be banged. <laughs> he, ra- <laughs> so, he rapes them, right? And, Fuck, well, so what's wrong with the movie? <laughs> well, the the my my problem was they they present this dog as like. You know, the dog's very smart because they have conversations. The dog has a good vocabulary. It's not just a dumb, like, nice. beast. But, like, he yells at the dog all the time. Uh-huh. And so it's like you're sitting there. You, you watch him yell at this dog. And the dog obviously, like, jumps a few times because of the loud noises and stuff. And it's like, you know, in the story, the dog's smart. But obviously, this is just a normal dog. So I felt bad for the dog a few times. Like, there's a fight. Where, there's a scene where the dog's fighting with another dog. And... I don't know. Like it was kind of depressing sometimes thinking about. I, want, I hope this dog wasn't mistreated on the set or whatever. Like you want to feel bad for a dog. 
Uh, okay, now this is just quick because I want I want I want you to feel bad. Um, local <laughs> news story this week. Oh, I saw you post that. Jesus Christ! Four I mean, dogs, right? Yeah, and uh, well, the one dog, the mother, and the puppies, and they said, okay, now people that are listening, um, they found these dogs. Somebody had shot each one of them, and it was a mother and four little puppies, and. The, all of them weren't dead when they found them. Ugh. And the woman from the local news posted that she said, you know, they took them to the hospital and they said everybody that was there was fucking bawling their eyes out. Jesus. And I, I hope they catch those motherfuckers. And if they if they had a like a thing where you could stand in line and beat them with a baseball bat, I will fucking sign up. Uh, Unless the, the dogs are still alive and will sniff out some pussy for me. <laughs> and tell you about it telepathically. And no one else can hear the dog. Um, and apparently dogs, that's their function in this in this particular world. Because uh, he said that you know other dogs must... Because other people have dogs with them and will try to go for the same women. Nice. And, um, but I don't know that all the dogs are telepathic and I, I think that his dog might be like smarter than the other ones i'll tell you what if you could train a pussy sniffing dog you could make <laughs> some goddamn money uh you probably could i mean it couldn't be that hard so but then you know what seriously i mean if you've ever been around dogs most dogs can sniff out some pussy anyway like the first thing they do is stick their nose in a girl's crotch <laughs> yeah. they stick their nose in your crotch too so even if you were gay you could have a gay dog gay dog um, so that was it. Um, I'll probably finish that this week. And, um, so besides, uh, what I watched for the, for the show, that was about it. So, uh, a little slower week for me. Cause I, I felt like I was going to be on a nice run there, but I just felt like shit and slept a lot more than I expected. So, all right. So we're going to take a break and do you have a preference what we review first? I don't care. Let's do villain because that's the first tab I have open. All righty. We're going to come back and review 1971's Villain. We'll be right back. GGTMC Live. For you, fresh air. Big Willie and the Samurai are at your service, breaking films down and turning them around, giving recommendations that are always on point. Visit ggtmc.com for more information. The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to the trash since 1977. Traveling board bill villain. We don't kill a flying fuck who ain't not filling them. Watch what you're filling them. Ace King Death card. Strong arm, the wrong man. Pardon the left guard. Get money and earn it. That everything you touch turns shit. Got much to learn, kid. Write it up, burn shit. Light it up like the Dutch when the hash melt. Only time they see him when they meet him is the cash belt. I carumba, now that's my number. One dry summer, as far as I remember, burnt out. We're getting every edgy penny. Then he hit him straight to the head like Reggie Denny. Call him back when you need some more yak, horse yak. Doing 80 down the van with on horseback. 
Your man's sick, but he wrecked tracks, puto. Get back to row, exact the mundo. Victor the director, flip a script like Rob Reiner. The way a lot of dudes rhyme, their names should be knob shiner. For a buck, they likely dance to jiggle, do the huckle buck. To Vic, it's no big deal, they just a bunch of knuckle fucks. All right. Back from break. First movie today. As I said already, three times. Villain from 1971. No, no, no. This film is directed by Michael Tuchner. Tuchner? Don't know how to pronounce his name. Oh, no. Um, looking through his IMDb, there's not a lot that I really recognize that he's done. I think he did a lot of TV stuff. Um, this stars Richard Burton. Ian McShane is looking very, very young. Um, did you write, did you know anybody else from this one? Not Davenport, Donald Sinden, Fiona Lewis. I didn't recognize a lot of people. There was some nice boobage in this movie. So, um, <clears throat> The synopsis is a long one on IMDb, so bear with me. I will try to edit on the fly. Murderous, sadistic London gang leader Vic Dakin, a mother-obsessed homosexual modeled on a real-life gangster Ronnie Cray, is worried about potential stool pigeons that may bring down his criminal empire. That's enough. Yeah. Um, This is, like I said, from 71, the last role that I saw for Richard Burton, I believe, was this Elizabeth Taylor movie from the late sixties called Boom. Was he in that? Or was I never that saw Boom. Yeah, Boom. Oh, it's it's really bad. Um I think it's one I'll say that it's one of uh, John Waters' favorite movies, if that'll tell you anything about it. So uh Zom, I'll let you take the lead here. Well okay. See what you got here is you got a movie about this guy, and he's a sadistic gang. <laughs> okay. No, seriously. Um, I This movie was out of print uh, for ages. It, I'm not sure if it is now or not, but I mean, I think there was uh, either a problem with like the production company or distribution or something, but it was shelved for a real long time. So you had to get it through other by other means. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you know somebody had like a 16 millimeter copy of it, you know, under their mattress at a garage sale or something like that. That's how you would get it. So anyway, <laughs> or other means. Um, more readily available today. Um, now, uh, this mo- it's this is a very gritty and very uh, down and dirty movie yeah. about uh, the underbelly, London's underbelly. Um, of course, like uh, Love said in the synopsis, um, they're the the actual character of Vic Dakin. Is based on Ronnie Cray of the uh, Reggie and Ronnie Cray uh, crime, the twins. Uh, and uh, Ronnie was, um, uh, as he said, he was homo- <laughs> he was homosexual. Homosexual. Uh, yes. And he was also, I believe, a bit schizophrenic and a fucking psychopath. <laughs> so uh, you get all that rolled into one character, uh, Richard Burton as Vic Dakin. Um, now, um, Vic, 
has a pretty high status in uh, the mob in London. Um, he has his own crew, and pretty much, I think that they're they're more like an organized crime organization that um, their money making methods would be like uh, you know maybe selling drugs or you know uh, union uh, uh, you know uh, being. Shaking down businesses yeah, and stuff like that. Protection fees. They get uh, right. you know rob, robbing trucks, that kind of thing. And, yeah. And this is um, this is like for those of you that are familiar with Sopranos, I'd say Richard Burton would be a little lower, like on the rung, than Tony Soprano because yeah. he still gets his hands dirty. He's not. He's not a Godfather, but but like you know, like you would think of Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Uh, but like I said, he he would be like more like John Gotti before John Gotti became. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the the actual Don or whatever. Um, he just had his own crew of guys, and he was a he was a you know pretty well respected earner, but not only respected but feared because Vic is a little bit fucked up in the head, and he is prone to um, violence. And you can tell that just about everybody that is around him um, knows this, including the guys that are in his crew, because you know. He uh, he can cut through them like with just by saying something, and they're just immediately like, "Oh fuck," you know, because you don't know if he's just going to fucking snap and go off. But now, uh, in that, by saying that, also, now that's deal. And and Vic makes this distinction uh, to a point in part of the movie um, that he pretty much is only like this. He, it's a business to them, yeah. and even the violence part is is it's just part of their business. Uh, but they don't go out of their way to fuck up like just regular people, like uh, the citizens or whatever. Right. Uh, like when he walks into a bar, you know, that you know people be like, you know, hello, Mister Dakin, how are you? Whatever. And you know, it, it would all like I said, almost like John Gotti, where you know people would. See that certain charisma that he has, and he's nice to them. He might spread money around and this and that. But um, when it comes to his business and keeping his guys in line, and, and or you know even uh, with uh, having to collect money or anything like that, like you said, he has no qualms, no bones about fucking just going off and just beating the fucking shit out of somebody. Now, in this movie, when Richard Burton loses it and starts beating someone, <laughs> I I hate it's funny. I mean, I, I don't know how to put this, but it's funny to watch. Because it's almost like he gets into a frenzy yeah. and his hair gets kind of messed up and he's like <laughs> you know? I said I said that I actually took that note. I said Burton has great hair for his character type. Like he's cool <laughs> Yeah. And then he has outbursts. Like it's just like yeah. he'll be quiet, and then all of a sudden he'll just like punch some dude in the stomach. Well, and that's a lot of punching in the stomach. <laughs> he fucking is all about the abdominal trauma in this movie. Yes, even the and guy, even the guy he's fucking, yeah. <laughs> he fucking well, Ian McShane. He's always punching him in the stomach. I I, I would not want to be his <laughs> boyfriend. Yeah, because yeah. Vic is a bit of a of a uh, a sadist, and um, and. Like part of his lovemaking uh, would be like right when you you know you, you go 
you go to the bedroom and, you know, everything's fine and everything. And then right before, you know, you start to take your shirt off or something like that. And all of a sudden he just fucking hits you in the stomach about four times as hard as he can. The guy's laying on the bed like in, in pain, you know, probably gasping, can't even breathe. And he's like, you know, and then he's ready to get down to business and fuck. Now, uh, his, his lover – or you know it's it's this is like uh the the um i mean you never see vic have any interest as far as um he's not like a philanderer he doesn't yeah. go around screwing all these different guys or anything he this guy wolf is a young handsome guy who is played by Ian McShane who later which is ties in with the next movie, Sexy Beast. Um, but Ian McShane is very young in this. And it's all, you know, because now he's, you know, he's a lot older and, and uh, you know, his face is, you know, shows his age and everything. Still a cool looking motherfucker. Yep. But in this one, you know, it, it's set in the early 70s, uh, you know, late 60s, early 70s. And he kind of has more of a, like a, not a mod kind of a haircut, but like long hair, long sideburns, but, you know, not long like a hippie, but, you know, styled and everything. And they dress really nice, you know, the, all the guys. But um, well, every, he's kind of, Everybody, back to the hair, everybody in his gang has a certain hairdo, but none of their hair moves, which I thought yeah. was pretty cool. There's like, even one guy with this huge, like, fucking crazy pompadour thing yeah. his hair was so fluffy oh my but, god that and that shit was sprayed with fucking the, the ozone fucking died when he sprayed that shit <laughs> yeah it's a, when it, if it would become straight down it would probably go down past his tits but it's it's like a giant <laughs> fucking like a duck tit not a ducktail, but like you said a giant pompadour like a b52 style yeah. kind of thing and then but then uh then burton's hair like we were saying like he there was a, a, a scene where he like assaults this guy on the stairs and that's when i that's when i took the note because his hair all of a sudden is just like like everywhere and he just kind of like slicks it back and his hair just like will go from like cool to unkempt like in a hurry which is kind of it was kind of neat so well now um when we first see wolf who is Vic's lover that I mean he's just totally infatuated with he's like you know I can't live without you you know uh wolf is kind of playing coy you know yeah. but when it comes down to it Vic fucking uh, he keeps his bitch in line. <laughs> he, he he gives him a little slack. He's like, okay, you're throwing a hissy fit and everything, but but you know, uh, Wolf knows. But you know, in some ways, Wolf knows how to play Vic. He mm-hmm. knows that he's gonna, you know, uh, he has really no choice because if he probably did just take off and never come back or something like that, he'd probably get killed. Um, but now Vic is also a fucking huge, huge mama's boy. Um, yeah. He loves his mommy and, and uh, <laughs> to the point where – and everybody knows it because when he goes into a restaurant or even his guys or other members of the mafia that aren't in his gang, when they see him, the first thing they do to, to not only get on his good side but to make sure, you know, they say, how's your mom? How's, you know, Mrs. Dakin? Da, 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 da. And, and uh, you know, and sometimes like you can see a look of rec- recognition like the maitre d' comes up and asks him, you know, how, how is Mrs. Dakin? And, yeah. and he's like, thank you very much. You know, she's doing well, you know, and, and you can tell he appreciates it. But then sometimes these flunkies will come over and they'll say it and he's just like, you know, he knows they're just yeah. kissing, kissing his fucking ass. Okay. Now, um, just like 
the American mafia, they have like hangers, hangers on and people that are like known associates uh, that they get information from about scores. And But Vic's gang is not really into – when we talk about getting their hands dirty as far as like beating the shit out of somebody or intimidating them, yeah. strong arm tactics, they do that like to a store owner. That they're shaking down, like, hey, you know, we'll, we, you know, if you pay us this much money, we'll protect you from whatever. But when it comes to like Bonnie and Clyde shit, like maybe robbing a bank or robbing something where you know guns and all this, stuff, they're kind of, you know, eh, that's not really our thing. And uh, you know, they're they're up a uh, uh, several notches above that to where they're they're making their money like extorting people and and things like that but it's presented to them you know hey this guy like this kind of like mealy mouth weakling guy that hangs around him you know says hey i've got this this uh this idea or this score and you know they're kind of uh vic i think because he's kind of nuts mm-hmm. uh first he hears the the amount of money and uh and you know but He's the kind of guy that that w- that wouldn't think of doing this on his own, but I think in sort of a macho way or something like that, when it's presented to him, you know, all, a lot of the other guys are like, you know, dude, this isn't our shit. You know, this is an easy way to end up in jail and everything. And and his thing is, you know, uh, who gives a f- let's let's do it, yeah, just like the old days. We'll go out and da-da. I don't know if he's trying to relive his past or or. Uh, Trying to show you know uh, how big his dick is or whatever, but now while all of this is going on, Vic is under the surveillance of the London police and it's like a special crimes unit. And the the guy and I asked uh, Terry uh, from Paleo Cinema, uh, this guy that plays the the like the kind of like the inspector uh-huh. uh, that's that's tasked with shadowing Dakin's gang and watching him is uh, the actor's name is Nigel Davenport. And when I first came about seeing him was in a fucking uh, magnificent bastard, Michael Kine or, or Mike Ma- O'Kane, Mike, Mike, Mike O'Kane, Mike O'Kane <laughs> uh, movie called play dirty, which is a fucking <clears throat> awesome movie. Uh, and Nigel Davenport is like, um, Michael Caine is on Nigel Davenport's team. They're like commandos, Mm -hmm. but Michael Caine is like this guy that's brought in from the outside. And Nigel Davenport is this badass motherfucker. And that's the first thing I saw him in. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? He is cool as shit. He has like a certain look and charisma. And, um, so anyway, he plays this, uh, this inspector and he's shadowing him all the time and he he really plays it cool. I mean there's no threats. He doesn't come over and, you know, rough anybody up or anything, but he's just always there. And, you know, coming up in uh at one part, Vic gets a guy in the fucking bathroom and uh uh in this bathroom at that time period of time, like a urinal was just like a, a kind of a trough, but it was right on the floor. <laughs> you like piss on the wall and let it run down into the yeah, trough. Yeah. And uh <laughs> <laughs> he, he fucking pushes this guy up against the wall. So the guy's feet—they're all—they're both dressed up because they're in this really nice restaurant. And this guy has like dress shoes on, and, and he pushes the guy up against the wall. And the guy's standing, and he holds him there, and makes him stand in the fucking piss, which was fucking awesome. And um, now Wolf is kind of like a—he's sort of a pseudo pimp. 
um, for the the rich and famous. Um, and um, there's a couple of very hot ladies. If you like like girls uh, that the look that girls have from the late '60s, early '70s, yeah, there was a couple of them in this that that were you know I was like, wow, man, I like that. Um, what a so, fucking great set of tits on that belly dancer. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that was a hell of a fucking that like a, oh yeah, that was nice. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I liked it a lot. <laughs> um, so anyway. Um, Wolf is an odd person because he's bisexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets fucking hot women, but then he thinks nothing of like, and they're not prostitutes. I don't think they're prostitutes, were they? Uh, but they're in. Lo- they they love him because he's this. Well, the cool- one chick that keeps coming by is obviously not. Yeah, but she 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 obviously has real feelings for him, and he's a good-looking young guy. You know, really, really, uh, really uh, dressed snazzy all the time and everything. Has yeah. money all the time. Was that, was that was that the two of them that went to that big house at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I like that scene when she said uh, when she comments about uh, when they're looking at the house and she thinks it's kind of ridiculous how big it is, and she says, "I'll bet the bathrooms are freezing." I thought that was a I thought that was a neat like assessment. Of a big, of a oversized house, she's like, I bet the, I bet the bathrooms are freezing. I thought that was neat. So, the, uh, they traveled around together, and I mean, she brought groceries over to his house. I mean, there was something going on there long term, other than you know, it wasn't just banging. I think so. Yeah, it's uh, I don't I don't want to really say a love triangle because the the women are not that well de- or. Not that well developed. They don't go into their characters because, uh, you know, Wolf can get these girls somehow to basically prostitute themselves out Mm -hmm. uh, just because he asked them to. And I think to some extent because the guys are like really super rich that they're going to be screwing. So they know they're going to get something out of it. But then you have Vic (laughs) and he's like – he he doesn't think much of Wolf's lady friends, and I love one thing. I love uh, a term that I love, and the first time I heard it was in the movie Closer when Clive Owen has his blow up with uh, Julia Roberts when he finds out she's cheating on him, and they call the woman a slag. <laughs> that is like get out of here, you slag! And I'm telling you what. Richard Burton, that voice that I just did when I'm talking like this all the time, that he fucking talks like that. I fucking pissed myself it was good. listening to him fucking, yeah, Ralphie Vic Dayton. And, and he kind of has like a bit of a Cockney accent that he adds to his, um, his accent because mm-hmm. he's supposed to be kind of a, not, you know, the prim proper Richard Burton that you would see doing Hamlet, but he's supposed to be from the street and like, you know, from a, from a lower class that is now, you know, it's like, uh, Putting a, a you know a silk blouse on a pig or whatever because uh, he's he, no no matter no matter what they always said uh, I can't remember what movie it was they talked about like a mafia guy or something they said no matter how much your suits cost or whatever you still smell like like the gutter or still smell like the ghetto um, so those all those guys are kind of like that they do dress nice and they do they they're out but you can just tell that they're they're kind of uh, I don't know if I want to say trashy, but they have no class. Yeah, um, and uh, the, that's the one distinct thing that I remember is Vic just fucking 
going off and pummeling people in the gut. Uh, <laughs> but they, they, he does decide for his crew that he wants to take on this endeavor. Uh, this kind of, like I said, like kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde kind of a, mm-hmm. of a um, uh, stick up. Uh, for big, big money, and he talks uh, another guy who is sort of the same status with another crew into getting involved, and um, the guy is somebody from Vic's past that like they were like uh, um, childhood friends together, and so he's like, you know, come on, he goes, it'll be just like the old days. It's like Vic's trying to either, he feels his youth slipping away maybe, or he feels his his uh, power or manhood or something slipping maybe because he's getting older, and you know, he's got this, it'd be like an older guy that has a young bitch, well, you know, a girl, <laughs> um, uh, but Wolf is his young chick, because, you know, Wolf is with these young girls that are his age that are hot. And Richard Burton at this time, I don't know, how old do you think he was? In his 50s? Probably. I mean, let me, I can, I can pull it up real quick. I'm not really sure. But, uh, yeah, he was, he was born in 25. So, yeah, he was, I mean, he was approaching. He was mid 40s, late 40s. Yeah. But like I said, now, if, if, if I didn't know um, that that was Ian McShane, because I mean, I, I you know I've watched Sexy Beast and then uh, watched uh, uh, Deadwood and Ian McShane was big in both of those, um, but at an, a, a lot you know at Richard probably Richard Burton's age now or maybe even a little bit older. Mm-hmm. If I didn't know that that was Ian McShane, I would have never thought that was you know I'd never put it together because he's so much younger and looks he just looks a lot different. But anyway. Um, it pretty much goes from there. You know, I don't want to give too much more away uh, about what happens, but they do uh, take on this this thing, and it's it, and and some of the guys are you know eh, I don't know if I want to, but it, and it has it has some action in it and everything, but uh, the, the that's kind of all of that is um, kind of it's not a side story because it's something that the 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 heist or whatever is something that's a main focus yeah yeah but really the main focus of the movie is just Vic Dakin yeah it's like a character study of how uh, of of this fucked up guy how strange he is how you know he can be charming but then i mean like i said sort of j- dressed to the dressed to kill dressed to the nines but still has you know these insecurities and and probably some a lot you know some mental illness and stuff like that and it's kind of a i always say this about a lot of these movies i know i say it a lot when we do the show it is a um a time capsule yes. uh, from that time with the clothes the cars Everything, even when they the cops, uh, the, the the one of the uh, detectives or whatever goes to the inspector's house and you see him out and he's like, you know, either working in the garden or raking leaves or something, and he's got this you know uh, cardigan sweater on and he's got a <laughs> pipe and shit like that. But anyway, um, I found this um, I think a long time ago, just reading some uh, Richard Burton stuff and and I know I you know I know exactly what it was um the movie I think I had read about the craze and then I have a book about them which is really good I can't remember the exact it might just be called the craze I can't remember but it's really good and then uh they made the movie the craze and by reading about them and um 
you know, being interested because those two characters are just fucking, you know, I mean, obviously that that was a pretty good movie too. Uh, very interesting characters. And I read that Richard Burton had made a movie about, you know, where he basically played kind of Ronnie Cray, that type of character. And that's why I, I tried to find this movie and find it and find it, and find it and could not find it in any of the catalogs or anything uh, that were available because it was out of print. And uh, I think I'm not sure. I'll look it up. I'll let you kind of talk a little bit and okay. I'm going to look it up and see if it's available. The um, it looks like there's a, at least a British DVD of it available. Mm-hmm. So. Um the uh, I, I don't want to the the opening of the movie is really good. It kind of like sets the character pretty well. I don't want to say exactly what they do, but to uh, I, I will say pigeon food, and I will say um, I like how the cop says he got it here and here and most other places. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty cool. So, um, the, uh, the this is a little observation, but there, uh, there's a casino scene, and I swear that fucking the dealer looked like the dad from Brady Bunch. Huh. I don't know that it was, but it looked just, it looked just like him. But what what struck me weird about that scene was the way he flipped the cards because you're used to seeing in the casinos the guy just using his hands and flipping cards over, and this guy was using this weird long like flat paddle to like pull up mm. chips and flip over cards, yeah. which was kind of weird. So, um, which is why I even noticed him in the first place because he was using that weird paddle. Um, the a convention that never gets old for me in films is like when you have a higher profile criminal who has a speaking relationship with a higher profile detective or police official. Um, they obviously know each other, and so it's, it's it ends up like a game of chess with the one with the you know the cops trying to trying to finally catch this bigger guy in, a, mm-hmm. and they do it in all kinds of gangster movies where you know. They know each other's first names. They'll ask about their families and stuff. And yeah, like, yeah. You know, I'm gonna fucking get you someday. You know, kind of thing. And they do the same thing here. And there's a. It's pretty awesome in the bathroom scene after he flushes or after he puts the guy's feet in the piss water. Um, him and the detective have the conversation, and he meant like Burton mentions something to him about uh, um, his widow's pension, which I thought was pretty cool. Like, kind of implying, you know, I'm gonna fucking kill you if you leave, don't leave me alone. Um, the uh, now there's this one team, uh, one like group mate of his, like a, on his gang, who had these stomach problems. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've he, seen that guy in some movies. I can't remember what his name is, but I, he was burping all the time. And like as he was doing that, I fucking I knew I knew this from like I don't know where it was, but I feel like I've seen like a henchman have gastro problems like that before because this guy's constantly eating. I don't want to say they're Tums because it's probably not what they were, but some kind of antacid. Like he's chewing on these things all the time, drinking milk. But he burps a lot, and I feel like I've seen that in a movie before where there was somebody in a gang that had stomach problems, and I just couldn't remember what that was. So. He was in uh, Hunt for Red October. It's na- his actor's name is Joss, J-O-S-S, Ackland. I knew I'd seen him in some other and, – and Bill and Ted's bogus journey. <laughs> and the Mighty Ducks, and oh, you know who he was? He is the South African, the the lead South African guy in Lethal Weapon Two. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. But um, yeah, there, there's one part, and I'm not going to say where it is, where they're having a tense moment, and he is fucking shoveling those goddamn tongues, <laughs> and they're like falling out of his mouth, and he can't get enough of because his stomach's killing him. He's so oh my god, the uh, <laughs> the um. Anyway, I guess it fits well with the with the fact that uh, Burton likes to always hurt somebody's belly. So it's yeah. it's, it's fitting that he has a teammate that always has belly problems. So can you imagine what his sex would be like? Okay, first, <laughs> he, 
he punches you in the stomach till you're probably either ready to throw up or bleeding internally. And I can't imagine that him having sex would be like very gentle. <laughs> no. And I guess his his hair would get mussed up then, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> He'd have that the fucky frizzy fuck up frizzy <laughs> hair. Um and I did notice at the end of the movie, uh Richard Burton has a fucking awful run. Um now <laughs> Uh, he looked so awkward running, but I, I did look it up later, and he had a lot of health problems. Um, he one uh, being that he's a fu- he was such a fucking horrible drunk that he probably had cirrhosis of the goddamn liver. Well, yeah, he did definitely. But the it's by the mid sixties, um, he had developed like a limp, and um, he like his arms were kind of like like thin and weak from it, and he had a, he had a lot of like weird health problems because I think he used to be an athlete when he was younger. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look on his Wikipedia. Like really bad like stretch marks on his mouth. Provides, a, yeah, yeah, health from, issues. From uh, Elizabeth Taylor's big boobs. Oof. Uh, star, yeah, star athlete known for his athletic abilities and strengths. By the age of 41, he had declined so far in health, his arms were by his own admission thin and weak. He suffered from mm-hmm. bursitis, Possibly aggravated by faulty treatment, arthritis, dermatitis, cirrhosis of the liver and kidneys, as well as developing by his mid forties a pronounced limp. Mm. He um, and I think that probably has something to he do. He could still throw a hell of a body blow, though. <laughs> yeah, well, he probably could, maybe couldn't pick up his arms high enough to do a good the one, face punch. The one so. part he he punched the guy in the stomach, and the guy fell down, and he started putting the boots to him, and that's when he got that crazy fucking like he like he lost <laughs> yeah. control, like he was either almost he was he was completely out of it, but like almost like he was. Having a sexual frenzy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, regular smoker with an intake of between three and five packs a day for most most of his adult life. No wonder his voice sounded like that. And uh, and he died of a stroke in the mid in the mid eighties. So, but uh, that was about all I had too. So uh, we'll leave it on a low note there. Um, uh, we'll go ahead and go, we'll grade it here. Jeez, I never even thought about that. Um. I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. It's not a great movie. Right. But um I was gonna compare it to Get Carter with Michael Michael Kane. Michael Kane. Um <laughs> I I I I'm I'm torn between six point seven five and seven. I, I I don't see a ton of stuff that's really wrong with it. I'm going to say a seven. Okay. Um, this just like the uh, you know sexy beast, they end up being more of about the performances and other things as opposed to the story itself. This probably has a, a, bit, a more, I guess hashed out plot than sexy beast um but you're 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 gonna be watching this for for burton um some of the other stuff is a little forgettable um there's a few car chases and stuff but really it's just like him beating the shit out of people and and uh just being a bastard and um for that it's entertaining but it's not a super movie like i said and i'm right there with you i'm at a 6.5 out of 10 it's better than average and it's definitely worth seeing as an overall movie Eh, it's pretty good but it's 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 good it's worth seeing uh richard burton um act it up here so be a be an asshole so uh that's it for uh villain we're gonna come back and do (laughs) another uh another uh outgoing villain here in uh, Don Logan, uh, we're gonna do <laughs> "Sexy Beast" from 2000. We'll be right back. 
When you're watching movies, are you sick of remakes, reboots, reimaginings, reinventions, and Reese Witherspoon? Are you fed up with movies where giant robots try to remake Enter the Dragon? Do you think that torture porn is vastly inferior to 1970s drive-in porn? Do you find Botox actresses with fake tits and action heroes with no chest hair a turn-off? Do movies where no single shot lasts more than two and a half seconds piss you off? Yeah, me too. That's why I do Paleo Cinema Podcast, a podcast for films more than 20 years old. So if you think that Sid Charisse is a guy and that Myrna Loy is a kind of metal, you need Paleo Cinema Podcast. Go to paleo-cinema.com and do yourself a favour. Fucking priests, we're back. Uh, the name of that song is "Rage," which I think fits well with uh, <laughs> with this film. <laughs> um, "Sexy Beast" from 2000. Zom, I'll let you introduce it here. Okay. This movie is called "Sexy Beast," see? and nobody really knows why it's called "Sexy Beast." And most. <laughs> I remember when this first came out, and I'm I'm actually just talking over my own synopsis. Um, in a lot of the reviews I saw, they actually were like, "Okay, who's the sexy beast supposed to be? What's the sexy beast? Who's the sexy beast?" And I'm like, "Just watch the fucking movie." Anyway, a brutal gangster, Don Logan, recruits retired safecracker Gal <laughs> for one last job. But it goes badly for both of them. I don't know about that. Mm, yeah, I don't know about that either. Um, Fat ponce. <laughs> this uh, has a pretty cool fucking the original everything. poster. Yeah, cool yeah. fucking everything. Um, this is directed by Jonathan Glazer, who has only really done 
not much at all. Well, he's a uh, Starsky and Hutch. Oh, he's an actor? Nah, oh. it's Paul Michael Glazer. Oh. Um, this is, <laughs> Brian Glazer. <laughs> this is a, There's lots of people named Glazer. This is a um, – I think he's just, he's largely he largely did music videos, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, – and this – I mean, he, he had done some Radiohead videos and then he did this. And it kind of shows, but it, it works. And we'll get into that more. So um, this is stars uh, Ray Winstone. A uh, very plump, very overtanned. <laughs> He's built like me. I like it. Um, yeah, real man. Ben Kingsley, who I'll say, if you've only known him from like Gandhi or fucking like uh, what was the name House of Sand and Fog, where he's pretty quiet. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is uh, this is the opposite of what of what Gandhi is. Don Logan is not Gandhi. Um, and then uh, Ian McShane again, who. Like like we said earlier, you would not recognize his face. Uh, he's he's as he aged, he definitely got the quote unquote distinguished look and uh, got rid of that baby face that he had in uh, mm. in nineteen seventy one. So um, I, I don't know. If this is even a starring role for him. Mm. Really, more of a supporting thing. So, and there's some other people in here that you know I don't really recognize. So, um. Like I said in our previous review, this this is a not a plot driven movie. It has a plot, but that's really not what's important here. Um, it starts off not like the last film that we kind of started off with a bang. This one starts off. Uh, it's one of my one of my favorite. This has to be one of my favorite film intros. I fucking love the way this uh, starts. It shows Winstone laying with his banana hammock. Just, just frying. I mean, you can almost hear the sizzle. He's mm. sitting in the sun. He's just like, oh, terrific. Uh. And just fucking just roasting. And all the while, now I want to play this. I played it for Zom earlier when we were trying to figure out our sound problems. All the while, I, the song that I love, The Peaches by the Stranglers, was playing. We're going to play this while, for a little bit while I review. I fucking love this song. <laughs> So you can just imagine chubby orange Ray Winston just laying there going, Oh yeah. yeah. He's oiling up. He has a fucking rag and a in a ice in a bucket on of ice balls. that he puts on his balls to cool him off. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a scantily clad pool boy scrubbing the deck. <laughs> it's awesome. And then all of a sudden his day is ruined by a big fucking boulder. Because he's in Spain, so he's kind of in a mountainous, desertous type region, and this giant boulder just comes rolling down the hill right into his fucking pool, shocks the shit out of him because he's standing there just trying to enjoy his day, and he just gets splashed. He's got this tiny little fan. I think was that was that who's blowing himself off with a fan? Yeah, yeah, one of those cooling off handheld battery deals. So he um and uh, the boulder. It's already a sign of things to come <laughs> because as soon as this thing that almost kills him is lifted from his pool, another juggernaut comes rolling back into his life. Now, Fucking A right. And I, it, it's fitting. That boulder, that little boulder being John, Don Logan, Ben Kingsley, as we mentioned earlier. Now, so uh, Ray Winstone, as, as Zom said, plays Gal Dove. He's a retired safe cracker. He doesn't want London anymore. And there's a great little monologue where he's talking about London just sucking being cold and rainy and he wants the he wants the heat he wants to lay back and he wants to enjoy the scenery and he wants to get skin cancer 
and <laughs> wants to bang his ex porn star wife, and that's it. He has enough money. He's comfortable. He's got a he's got a sweet house. I like that place. So, D E D D. The <clears throat> his wife was yes D D. And she's got this horrific scar on her arm. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't remember. Did they ever cover, like, say where that came from? Nah, but it just gives her that um, kind of, um, like, she uh, literally, I mean, she's a fucking, like, a, a kind of like a, a, I wouldn't say washed up, but she's just older, um, porn star. Yeah. So she's got her battle scars. Yeah. And, but just he's life. Like, he's, he's still, he's still totally in love with her. They, they, they're married. They live together here, and they have two friends that another retired uh, uh, criminal apparently that also knows Don Logan from back in England, mm-hmm. and he's got his trophy wife, and he has his, and they just hang out and they talk, they shoot the shit all the time, and um, they just have a fun life. But then Don Logan comes in, he's like, "Listen, I he's not a job. fun person. <laughs> he's not." So <laughs> Don, Don Logan is that friend you're like, "Oh fuck." And you try uh, immediately to try to figure out, and he's not. I guess he's not really a friend, but no. that person in your life that you want to figure out always how to get rid of, and you never can to avoid. Like yes. if you saw him in the grocery store, you'd fucking go the other way and just be like, Jesus Christ, there! Oh God! Not because he's like Banyan from fucking uh, uh, Seinfeld, you know? Hey, is that why do they call it Oval Team? Why do they call it Round Team? He, this guy, is menacing with a capital menacing. Yes, and. Um, they, they, I like the way they introduced the Don Logan character with the four of them just sitting at a uh, at dinner and um, kind of talking about. Let's move. Song is still going. <laughs> so, um, he doesn't. Yeah, song is fucking awesome. <laughs> yes, I love it. Now Don Don's not coming to Spain to, uh, or he's coming to Spain to recruit Gal for a job, but he goes about it uh, not kind of a straightforward way. He he calls, um, I guess is it Harry? Who I don't remember his friend's name. Harry Harry and Jackie. He calls them first, and that's how he he breaks the news. And they're at dinner, and she's like, "Oh, by the way, Don Logan called. He's coming." And, and like, everybody oh, just God. fucking stops everything. Yeah. It's just like if you said the devil is fucking or or fucking I don't know how to put it, but I mean they're just even if they have like food and they're like uh, you know like Jesus Christ, uh, couldn't you have mentioned this? <laughs> please don't. Please tell me you didn't just say what you said. <laughs> and uh, to give a good example, one uh, he said when they're talking about Don. Um, and like how his mind works, somebody just says, "Who knows what goes on in that cunt's head?" So that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, it's um, good, good slang. Good. Uh, oh, good lots stuff. of lots of cunts and twats and everything dropped in this movie. It's awesome. So, um, cunts and twats, cunts and twats, all in this movie. Uh, so you know, Gal starts having nightmares about this weird like like ratty rabbit man. Yeah. It's almost like a Donnie, Donnie Darko kind of a thing. And, um, it's, it, by the end of the film, it becomes, it doesn't, it's not obvious who this creature is supposed to be. I assume it's, I assume he starts having it because Don's coming back, but you you know, you get some idea later on that maybe that monster is not supposed to be Don Logan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, it's just kind of like a subconscious thing, I guess, of his, like always right there ready. 
And um, so Don is the kind of guy that will all, all, you know, push you back on your heels immediately. Now, Ben Kingsley's not a big guy, so I think mm. they did really well with his character making him intimidating as hell, and he's relentless in getting mm. what he wants. Um, he's He just listens to every single thing that Gal says, and will just jump on it. It's like, you know, he's trying to get Gal to go back to London to do this job. And, jo- jo- you know, Don is, or Gal's already decided before Don even got there, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm done. I'm retired. And, um, you know, he says, like, fucking something, you know, in the middle of their conversation. And, um, you know, immediately Don jumps. I was like, why are you swearing? I'm not swearing. And that's the, that's the way. It's just rapid fire. And he even talks like, talks to himself in the mirror the same way. It's pretty crazy. Um, now, a, a, a good uh, a good representation of Don's character, too, is, like, I like that he makes Harry sit in the back seat when they go and pick him up from the airport. So <laughs> Jackie's driving them home, and Don's just sitting right in the front seat. He's got his start shirt tucked in short sleeves and he's complaining about the heat already and he stands just like just i mean like he has a board in his back just upright it's like he can't be comfortable he's just like a a fucking i don't know how to put it but even when he's just sitting he's just like you know almost like at attention or something and just looking straight forward and and someone there was a couple times where someone would say something and you know, instead of turning his head, he would almost like turn his whole body and have like staring daggers through their ass. You know, uh, yeah. Dee Dee says something to him when they're. It's like the way they sit. You have uh, like Jackie and Harry on one couch. You have Dee Dee and Gal on another couch, and then right in the center is Don, just sitting all erect, not leaning back in his chair. Yeah. And you know, Dee Dee says something to him. And he just turns his whole body just like like a robot. Yeah, like a, very robot like. And he just says, "You've got very nice eyes, Dee Dee. I've never noticed them before. Are they real?" <laughs> <laughs> so he's just—I mean—he fucking intimidates everybody, and Dee Dee fucking just hates him. Yeah, intimidate, and it's almost like um, it's almost like he's not not human, like you yeah. said, either like a robot or like an alien, but almost, but. I'm going to make a comparison, not because they're similar, the characters are similar, but like when you said he's really not that big of a guy, it's like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Mm -hmm. He was a little short guy, but everybody knows him and knows his deeds and knows his actions, so he must be this violent, you know, horribly violent, vicious guy, and everybody has seen him do things that – it's like you're sitting there with a monster. Yeah. And maybe uh, maybe it's a British gangster thing, but he uh, he does some stomach punching too in the film. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he socks he socks Gal in the gut on the beach. So well, it's like a chick. You hit him in the stomach so it doesn't show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I gotta, saw that in the movie. Yeah. You got to save that. Uh, you got to save that money maker on Ray Winstone there. No yeah, one yeah, to, yeah, Don't yeah. want to bruise that face. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you could tell, but you know, with Gal, he he to me uh, at one time. He would probably be like the – he was probably almost like the guy with the pompadour in Villain or more like Wolf. Like he was probably – or I imagine he almost looked like the old wrestler Buddy Rogers have his hair when he was young and skinny and slim. He was a, probably a really good-looking guy mm-hmm. that got a lot of ladies and all this and that. And that's the same with Dee Dee. You know, she was – I always think you know, she always kind of looks like Ashlyn Gear. Uh, the the porn star, you know, when she was young, she was probably super smoking hot. But but that's like Gal, 
Dee Dee, um, and their their two friends that you know that they hang out with all the time that are like their best friends, other couple. They are at one time, like I said, they were probably very you know just young and vibrant and everything. And this is them now, and they still have a spark of that uh, you know of life in them that you know they go to Spain and they they dance and they do all this real romantic stuff and everything, but they're they're just a lot older yeah. and you know they're the, the sun has led, made their skin leathery gal's gotten fat and paunchy you know <laughs> dd's Dee got the scars on her arms and she's not as pretty in the face and the other girl you could tell she was probably thin and really hot and now she's you know just just they've lived life yep and um the um <clears throat> Now the the main story in this is kind of it kind of introduces this heist that they're planning and they don't unlike heist movies they don't spend a lot of time on it in this one. Um this one really ends up being more Don to conv- you know quote unquote convincing uh Gal to go back and help. And uh it's you know it says something I think for at least good filmmaker and good writing good characters if if nothing really happens in the first half of the film, but it still stays very interesting. And, you know, little, uh, Don is, he's, he's just like a juggernaut and you can't stop watching him. He's, he's irritating even to you to watch. You're like, Oh my God, this guy is, yeah. he doesn't give up. Um, I mean, he's like he stands there pissing with his hands on his hips and like pisses mm-hmm. on their carpets. Yeah, like marking, just, like an animal marking its territory. Just to be, a, just to be an asshole. Yeah, yeah, just to be a bastard. Yep. And um, so but when they introduced the the heist, I thought, I thought it was funny that they're at an orgy. I don't. <laughs> yeah, that was. And uh, now I, I got to ask. It's like, uh, well, there was a there was an older older lady talking to McShane about you know something, uh, you know, and he has. Yeah, a, a she was a pretty hot broad. In I her know time. she had a nice rack on her. Yeah, I still. She was kind of a turn on. She'd be good for a a, a, a gilf uh, <laughs> porno movie. Uh, yeah. And um, Dylan, and <laughs> taking it back there. Um, now, and they're having a conversation right after this. Don and Gal are at a bar, and and, uh, and Don mentions something about. Uh, well, I'll ask this: Is like, what would you make, Don? What would you make of a woman that would want to put her finger in your bum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I gotta say, I'm not for that. I, I want, no, I don't want I, anything in my bum. I had well, I've I, not that, but uh, one time, um, just out of the blue, didn't ask for it, didn't uh, expect it, and um, let's just say one of um, I was going to say a friend, but I wouldn't even say that decided to um, toss a salad. Oh, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I mean, I didn't like grab her by the hair or anything and say "stop," but it was it was weird. But uh, no, I, I didn't get violated, so I can't. I can't. Uh, I don't know what I would do. I don't, I'm not. I'm. Not, I think it's exit only. I'm not interested. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm not interested. But if somebody does it, then what are you going to do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> hey! Oh! Hey! <laughs> So Stop the, it! <laughs> the, the clip I played at the beginning is a pretty, I guess, uh, famous little quote from from uh, from Don when he 
just res- he reverts to almost childhood and he's like no 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 when when uh, gal's still re- refusing him and he just starts yelling no 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 over and over again yeah and he starts yelling at dd he fucking yells at everybody on the porch but he, he does that like even he's fucking shaving at one point looking in the mirror and he's talking to himself mm-hmm. so he's a little bit fucked up and he's like um there's one part where now he he says uh, which obviously I think I'm pretty sure this means the word stup means fuck, and he's just like stup 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 stupid gal or, or no uh, stupid don stupid don, and he's talking to himself and I'm like Jesus Christ I thought I only did that. <laughs> the uh, I'm not sure what he yelled at Dee Dee on the porch, but I'm sh- pretty sure I heard spunk bubble in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. she was a porn star, so I imagine she. Um, she was uh, quite the cum in dumpster in her day. Oh, uh, now <laughs> which is fine, you know. Hey, man, gotta make a living. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I just don't want to marry it. Oh, poor guy. He, you know, hey, he loved her though, you know. He did. We we all have our pasts. Now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Jonathan Glazer is a he was a music director, and it comes it kind of comes across here. Now, the, the editing and directing. In this film, it kind of feels like a product of its time of the you know late '90s. With you know, there's fast cuts, there's shifts in time. I think a film made now might not work the same. It, it have to be done right. Now, I'm not saying it's a it's a it detracts from this film. I think it helps because mm-hmm. this is not a not a plot heavy movie. They don't spend a lot of time on the plot and. I think I think the way it jumps around helps adds adds interest to the movie. There's some really cool music edited in that, especially like at an airport when um, Don is headed back and it starts this like really like ominous music and just kind of zooms in on him. Mm-hmm. You're almost expecting like a Fight Club type moment when Brad Pitt's giving his monologue and his eyeballs start vibrating. Yeah, um, same kind of thing. But um, I think it adds interest to the film. It's, it helps a lot. Um, that said, I could see maybe if if why Glazer you know didn't make a lot of films after this if he maybe was stuck in that kind of you know because it it would only go so far and there was a lot of films at that time made that same way so yeah but um, this got pretty good I mean like critical acclaim and yeah. got a lot of notice just for being so different I think mm-hmm. you know now the um, when when I guess it's well I don't really want to spoil a lot but McShane doesn't play a huge role in the first part of the movie, but you get to see him a little more in the second half. And if Don is like the loud, like brash, scary character, McShane is a whole different kind of scary bastard in this one. Yeah. They're almost like, I mean, if to, to the people, I mean, there it's like, um, Don, it would be like a, a, a rabid pit bull. Mm hmm. And you're scared to fucking death of that, but you know, it, it, it. You know what it is from the word go. You know it's straightforward. You know it. Ha- its only intention is you know to bite you. Mm-hmm. But Teddy Bass, they call him like Mister Black Magic, and he is just like, yep. He's he's very cool. Con- very, I mean, cool as in he's a cool motherfucker. Yeah. And cool as in he doesn't like lose his temper, but. For, uh, you, from the way people react to he- either hearing his name or to dealing with him, 
there's something else there that they know that that makes them scared to fucking death of him. He is like um, the devil. Yeah. I mean, it's like like I said, if Dawn Dawn would be like a goddamn monster, but Teddy is literally the devil. Okay. I mean, and he even Ian McShane, he has like these fucking black eyes, fucking black hair, and then even his face, like the the lines in his face and everything, almost look like they're etched with black. Yeah, he just yeah. looks, and he wears black. I mean, yep. he's just fucking I, I, uh, bad motherfucker. I love the scene. Um, with him, he's sitting in the driver's seat of this car and I guess it was the driver's seat, although it's on the different side. Yeah. It was on the wrong side, right? Uh, for a British car. Yeah. Maybe anyway, it was a must have been an American car. Yeah. So. Uh, but I love the scene with him sitting in the driver's seat and like a, a car passes. It's nighttime and a car passes by and that does that, you know, the reflective like with the band of light across his eyes but it would just it, it's really it works really well and then he just as soon as that band of light's gone he's just like get out of the fucking car yeah and, oof. Uh, but uh, yeah and and the whole rest of the time it's like he's almost just kind of like um going along and and not really you know you can't read it but that's like the one time where he's just like you know i know you know and he, and he actually just mm-hmm. he he lets him know under no uncertain terms just with that comment that you know if I gave a shit then you'd be in trouble right yeah so that was really cool so uh, that's about all I have with this uh, I, the the heist I wish they spent a little more time showing mm-hmm. I, I like the way that it was it, it was edited but because of that editing it kind of gets almost glossed over. Yeah, um, it's really interesting the way it's done. I've never seen one like that before, where they're you know wearing like you know scuba mask basically, and I won't get into that why, but the, it's, it's it was kind of neat. I wish they spent more time on that. So, mm-hmm. but you you can go ahead. Well, um, the movie I want to say it belongs to Kingsley. I mean, the character is just so fucking over the top and you know just different than anything you've seen just like i said just fucking pure menace um but um still winstone is excellent in it and uh i thought uh mcshane was just uh like i said the second half the second half of the movie is or the, maybe the last quarter of the movie is really his and um there's one scene with uh, Dawn on an airplane, and I would not want to be like the stewardess or the pilot or anything that tells him he has to put his cigarette out. Yeah, I put the fucking thing out on your eyeball. <laughs> yeah, and and he says it in just such a crazy robotic, uh, you know. And I, I don't know if he's like it doesn't even blink, you know. It's, and uh, that's good. And one one of the quotes that. Um, that I always remember from this movie and I still use in, in life, you know, when it warrants it is, uh, they're talking about this heist and, um, and, uh, Teddy, um, I think it was, yeah, Teddy's the one that says it. He says, uh, where there's a will, there's a way and there's always a fucking will and there's always a fucking way. <laughs> and, um, I thought that was cool. And, um, Gail, 
uh, having – Winstone you know, underplays his part other than kind of being like sort of like the buffoon dancing around with, mm-hmm. his, with his woman and romancing her and everything. They're like on their – they're the couple that even though they're you know, in their like mid-50s or whatever, they, they're still in love and he's you know, being all romantic and everything. And, uh, and his, the other couple too are like that too. Um, but him – Dealing with Dawn, he's almost like the abused woman. He doesn't even say anything. He doesn't look at Dawn. He just like kind of like looks looks uh, away. Yeah. Like when he's talking, like looks at the floor. He doesn't want to make eye contact. But then when he has to deal with Teddy at one part uh, at that at, at the restaurant, he's sitting in the restaurant eating, and Teddy just comes in, and he's sitting there, and he has to. Uh, he's telling a story. And Teddy's watch just like talking to him and watching him, like reading him, almost like a lie detector. Yeah. And Gell trying to, even though he maintains his composure, you can tell that as soon as Teddy probably gets up and walks out, either Gell has a big pile of shit in his pants, or he probably went, <laughs> you know, and just let out a like let, let out because he was probably so tense, you know. Mm-hmm. But um. I really, I mean, I, I like that. And um, the, um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> the, the, the Donnie Darko, it's kind of a Donnie Darko like rabbit. Yeah. Uh, in just a pair of like black pants. It's a it's a man rabbit <laughs> or yeah. something or with something an Uzi. Like <laughs> it it, it kind of looks like the coyote from the Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Without crazy. the long snout. But. Um, and then. Uh, just like I said, I, I, I this it's a very memorable movie. Um, I've seen it about a million fucking times. I own it, and I, I mean, just it's very quotable. And the one problem that I know a lot of people um, uh, that watched it, um, I've heard a lot of people say they had trouble understanding what the what they were saying. Yeah. Especially like Dawn is, you know. Very, you know, it's almost like Richard Conti, you know, bap, 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 He's very, you know, just like a ticker tape machine. And that's just in the accents. I heard a lot of people say, you know, they had trouble understanding what they were saying. But I liked it. I It's one of my favorites. I mean, I don't know if it would be, you know, I don't even want to say top ten because who the fuck knows? There's so many goddamn movies and you're always going to leave something out. But um, this is a, a, a personal fave for Zazom. Cool. We can get into uh, our ratings then. Um, <clears throat> I like this one a lot too. I've seen it several times. Um, I, I think the first time I saw it was probably when it right when it came out on video. Um, <laughs> and it's the kind of movie that you can probably show to not film fanatics and they'll still enjoy it too. <laughs> just because – the performances alone are like people are going to make, Oh my God, you know, the, especially, especially Ben Kingsley. But yeah. Um, and if you like gangster movies, you know, yeah. that genre of gangster movies and you, and you can get past that. It's a British, you know, the, the accents and it's a British movie. It's, right, right. it's a, it's a top gangster movie, like criminal crime movie. Now, I, I won't say this often about films. I wish it was just a little bit longer. Uh-huh. Because, like I was saying, I, I, they could have spent more time on the heist part, and would have added some interest for me. Because I, 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 I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's almost glossed over. The film is 
I don't even know if it's 90 minutes long. It's probably like 88 minutes. They could have added another 15 minutes, 10 minutes, <laughs> and kind of like just spent some more, put some more detail into that part. Yeah. Um, but I love it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I own it too. This is a um, this is a buy. Uh, I give this uh, I give it a eight point two five out of ten. Um, watch it if only, like I said for the previous one. Watch it if only for the Don Logan moments. Um, mm-hmm. And there's actually a cool uh, a cool thing that's like nine and a half minutes long on YouTube. Just like Don Logan's greatest hits or something. <laughs> yeah. It's just him just ranting for like ten minutes. All the all the scenes from the movie. So, but this is this is a uh, this is a cool movie. So definitely definitely recommend for me yeah i i uh i'd say the um i'd almost go with an eight eight point five i really like it um i can't find that much you know really wrong with it or anything um it's it's got a lot of funny moments uh some of them i think uh, they're funny. I don't. I don't want to say unintentionally funny because there's parts where Don is being the way he is, which is not funny at all. <laughs> no, if but, it was happening to you, it would not be funny. <laughs> yeah, it's still funny. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's just how he is. He's just a fucking psychopath. Um, but uh, yeah, I. It's it's a it's a big fave in in my household. Sweet. Uh, I think even the dogs like it. <laughs> like it so much, they'll shit on your blanket. Shit all over it. All right. Cool. 8.25, 8.5. Check it out if you've never seen it. Let's, let's take a break. I think we got a, quite a bit of feedback from oh. one person. <laughs> oh. We'll be right back. If you're enjoying this podcast, perhaps you'd be interested in GleeCast. You watch your tone, young lady. Hey, we're not forcing you to download the internet's best, or at least most booze-filled podcast about Glee. You want to be me. Who doesn't, Sue? But we know we can't be. Instead, Erica and Emily... Uh, Emily and Erica. Who am I? I just don't know anymore. I'd love to stay in chat, but I got a satellite interview. Sorry, we get off topic a lot. The point is, listen to GleeCast following every new episode of Glee. Plus, our sporadic bonus content on some of the greatest bad cinema that incorporates musical theater or sweet dance moves going to ask you to smell your armpits the right or the left that's the smell of failure failure smells like dove mine has a pleasant lady speed stick scent kind of makes me think of candy canes your resentment is delicious visit gleecast.podomatic.com or search for us in the itunes store that's gleecast with a k part of the palaver.com family that's p-a-l-a-v-r.com boy the only thing missing from this place is a couple dozen bodies limed and rotting in shallow graves under the floorboards we're working on that Yeah, 
Johnny Guitar Watson. Time for feedback, motherfuckers. So we got one email this week, and lots of little voicemails, and one big voicemail. Um, we've been warned about a big voicemail already, so I haven't listened to it yet. All right. Uh, our email is from Bunny Sticky. Hey! I just dropped the fuck out of my phone. Fuck. <laughs> I don't even know where the hell it went. There we go. All right. Bernie Bye, says, hey, fellas. Oh, sorry. Hey. The, the subject is <laughs> sick-ass honky cracker motherfuckers. That's us. <laughs> that is us. All right. Hey, fellas. Hey. I thought I'd drop you a line and tell you how much I enjoy the show. Well, no shit. I mean, just finished the Golgo 13 episode, and you guys are still kicking ass. I was eh. particularly moved <laughs> kicking ass of uh, 80-year-old ladies, maybe. But that doesn't take much. Uh, you guys are still kicking ass. I was particularly moved by Sammy's voicemail relating his boil squirting incident. <laughs> kind of impressed by Zom's boil lancing knowledge, too. Well, you're not, you're not, a, you're not just a pretty face, are you? And despite yeah. Brian's soothing Irish tones, don't ever eat a steak and kidney pie. That shit is rank. <laughs> There's a famous brand of steak and kidney pies here in the UK called Frey Bentos. And for years, their advertising tagline was no lumps of fat or gristle. Guaranteed. <laughs> I got to be honest. I don't mind a lump of fat or gristle. Ugh. That's where the flavor comes from. He said, I should fucking hope so. Um, Hope this doesn't make Mikey sick again, but I wanted to add my two cents worth to the Zoe Deschanel debate. Jesus. <laughs> yes, I'd do her, but I'd rather do her sister Emily. I'm still on the Zoe camp on that one. No. Yeah, yeah. I do I both and at the same time. He said I know I'm not I know I'm in the minority here, but you know what well, you know that show Bones she's on? I call it Boner because I have to wait ten minutes after an episode finishes before I can stand up. <laughs> Ar, 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 ar. Waka waka. Did you Whoa. see that? Did you That's see just that because Angel's in it. <laughs> Did you see that episode where she was dressed in a Wonder Woman costume? Holy shit! There were sparks uh, flying off my zipper because <laughs> he couldn't get it down fast enough. You're like a pervert. I'm a little concerned about your cheese intake, loaf. Mm. Yeah, he does eat a lot of cheese, and I'm not the only one. There's been Facebook whispers of a cheese intervention, but it's for your own good. Ugh. I've got to nip this shit in the bud, man, or you're going to end up looking like Al Letty. <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, guys, keep up the great work. Silva and Gold is the first podcast I listen to after I've listened to the GGT and a couple of others. (laughs) Take that shit to the bowl. Love and farts. We might as well steal that, too. (laughs) Love and farts. Bernie Sticky. Sticky. Thank you, sir. Um, We'll see what he thinks about after listening to the half-drunken wrestling episode. (laughs) Half drunken? I was drinking a little bit. Uh, you were only half drunk? Yes. I wasn't all the way. Good. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for that. Um, and just to uh, cut corners a little, we'll go ahead and get into the voicemails. Not to, not to mess around. Here's the first, first voicemail. Thanks, Bernie. No offense, um, Troop. Yeah, hey, Roop. Thank you for answering my question last week. Um, some interesting choices there. Uh have to check out Ready to Rumble. No. I have not seen. Yeah. For my gallon, so good. Um, but uh, He got cut off. Here's another one. Sorry, Rupe again, real quick. Favorite hey, actors Rupe. 
um, old school and present day, and oh. films that you love. From, if you can, really quick. Like I love Robert Mitchum. I love A Men Out of the Past, and a lot of other movies actually. <clears throat> and then like you know, for uh, Russell and the Thing, and uh, um, uh, Jeff Bridges, and like tons of shit. So anyway, I want to hear you guys' picks for that stuff. Love putting you on the spot. Okay, bye. Bye, Rube. All right, so old school and present day favorite actors for you? We had we got we had trouble with the uh, with the female performances, but we posted those. So, do you have any uh, off the top of your old head? school and present day? Well, uh, Burt Lancaster, and uh, you know I like Sean Connery too, but I got to go with but Lancaster and uh, and what was the other one? Modern present, day, present day, yeah. Present day actor, um, I got well. Jesus, I was just going to say I got to go with the Fastbender. The fucking Ryan Gosling is excellent, but I got to go with Fastbender. Fastbender is incredible. Um, yeah, he's, for, he's he's good for old school. I love Jimmy Stewart. Um, something about uh, he can he can make me he can get me teared up. Uh, he's funny. I, 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 I <laughs> fucking. Pussy. Good stuff. Hey, I, I talked about getting teared up watching watching a fucking Masawa match today. So, <laughs> are you serious? God. Well, it's just because it, the way he died, it's just sad. Have you so. ever looked into those testosterone <laughs> therapy? Uh, so, um, Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart, and uh, I love Bogey. Fucking love uh, uh. Humphrey Bogart. Um, and present day, I'm a big Sam Rockwell fan. Yeah, Sam Rockwell's good. He's got a big butt, though. He's got like a bubble he butt. And he does he's a have guy. a big butt. And he watch that Chuck Barris movie when he's naked. Big yeah, butt. Some a uh, 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 person at work, Sibel, um, she showed me this thing where he he is apparently he's a really good dancer. And we watched Rockwell? this like yeah, we watched Ooh. this like like series of clips off YouTube where it's just him like dancing on, on like talk shows and stuff. And it's, it's pretty funny. So, but I, I love Sam Rockwell. He's, he's one of those like, uh, like they, you know, and I guess Gary Oldman too, cause I was getting ready to bring him up kind of one of those chameleon actors. Like he, he mm-hmm. can be like slimy, but he can be kind of handsome. I mean, he's, he's good. I like him a lot. So, uh, so yeah, didn't catch us this week. Roop. We're on to you. Roop. All right. Next voicemail. Loaf, you son of a bitch. You <laughs> uh, insulting both Kuma and Good Burger in one episode? Uh, whew, whoa, boy. Whoa, whoa, boy, is all I have to say. Um, whoa, boy. Watch Good Burger. I've heard that it's kind of the greatest film of all time, but I'm saying this having not seen Cop Dog, so I don't, no, I don't really know. I could be wrong. Uh, no. But whoa. Zom, keep them in mind, because that's not kind of cool. I always keep them in mind. I cracked the yeah, whip. Fine. Have you seen Good Burger? <laughs> <laughs> um, Good Burger. I don't even know what that is. It was a Nickelodeon show from the '90s, I guess, that got moved, changed, changed into a, a movie. And it's um, Keenan and Kill. I don't remember one guy's name. the The bigger of the two guys, he's on Saturday Night Live now. Mm-hmm. Um, they always have like the. I guess the token black actor on Saturday Night Live that does all the the funny borderline the fat stuff gifts. and or dressed like a woman. Yeah, and that's him right now. So he was one of the two from Good Burger, which I still I granted I haven't seen the movie. I'm only familiar with the TV show, so I guess I can't really fairly 
shit on it. So, so uh, thank you for that, whoever you were. <laughs> next, I don't know. <laughs> next voicemail. <laughs> no freedom. Metal Mikey. I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I realized from the Gogo 13 episode, I am one rambling motherfucker. So we're just going to talk straight up about Gogo 13. I've only actually seen one of the films that you covered. I mean, you obviously kind of brought up the fact that the Ken Takamura version is rather t- relatively hard to find, and I think I saw the same exact cut that both saw of the Kowloon assignment. Mm-hmm. But to kind of expand on my previous thoughts about Google 13, when I left the stuff about the animated features, you know, even from reading some of the manga, it kind of feels like Gogo 13, Duke Toko as a character, kind of works best as sort of like a background character, sort of like the, I guess, deus ex machina of ending a story, whereas some of the better stories kind of feature the outside intrigue more. But I can see where Zom's coming. Coming? You can see where Zom's coming? Blueberries. Okay. What the fuck? Metal Mikey, voicemail two. I think I figured out what new plague I picked up. It was Emily Itis for being dropped from K7 multiple times. Never heard of uh, it. Anyways. But I just, God, I can't even remember what fucking tangent I went on with Google 13. All I just wanted Sorry. to say was another excellent show, fellas. And I cannot wait to listen to, I believe, tomorrow your wrestling episode and to hear the suffering that you go through are ready to rumble. <laughs> I'll have thoughts on that when I feedback back on that. Until next time, stay tuned to the next episode. Bye. He he was mentioning about Duke Togo, Dick Togo being a uh, kind of a dick, not a super lead guy, which I think we discussed coming across in the movies as well. So, and uh, yeah, I mean, so thanks for that, Mikey. I think he called back a few times, <laughs> but. Uh, we have a, a, a an epic voicemail here, so sit back and relax. This is from uh, it's about eighteen minutes long. I've heard from uh, the cinemasochist. I think he goes on a little wrestling rant here. My name is Michael Kane. I got cinemasochist Justin Arnold here. Uh, decided at least attempt to Michael Kane impersonation. I've been. Uh, too chicken shit to do it the past couple of weeks, but I said, eh, we just do it now. Late to the party, but better late than never. Uh, okay, I got a shitload I want to talk about this week, and I'm going to try to go slow, not because Zom called me out, maybe because when I was listening to it, I was like, what the fuck am I saying? So, I'm telling you folks, methamphetamines and Juliet Lewis are not a good mix. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be slow. Um, first and foremost, let's talk about Ready to Rumble. Ah, what a fucking film, right? Ah, shit, what a piece of shit. Um, I will at least back loop and saying I don't think it's the worst movie I've ever seen. I will say if I ever conducted a top one or bottom 100 worst films, it definitely deserves to be on there. And I don't think it's on that list on IMDb, but eh, whatever. Uh, yeah, it, it's a piece of shit. It is the, it's the downfall of WCW on film form, in film form. And yes, David Arquette will at least talk about that, the whole situation. Now, I actually thought that David Arquette winning the WCW title was around the time of this film's release or shortly after. Mm-hmm. I actually, I'm, I could be wrong here, but I'm not positive it was, because I think 2001, I don't even think it was, I mean, I think he was around in the company, but I think it was well after, because I remember he did something, it was weird, like they had a, another reason why WCW went out, they had a Judy Bagwell on a pole match, where they had Ooh. Judy uh. Bagwell, you know, Buff's <laughs> mother up on there, and I think he was facing <sighs> Canyon. Who better than Canyon? Who better? I think he was, and I think Arquette came out in either favor of 
Bagwell or Canyon, whomever, uh, I could really give two We need to review the Buff Bagwell movie that, um, oh, what's the guy's name? He did Picasso Trick. Andy Sedaris. The Buff yeah. Bagwell was in an Andy Sedaris movie. We need, <laughs> we need to review that shit. Jesus. There we go. It was a bad match, but I think this was well after his title run because I thought, oh, it's the former world champion, you know. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Um, I definitely, like I said, I, it's admirable that he didn't want to do that. And, you know, at least I think he, you know, is a wrestling fan and, you know, all, you know how he donated his money. But at the same time, he did do Ready to Rumble. And, and at the same time, he didn't have to fucking do it. Look terrible. It, it, <laughs> he was it, not against it. They took he was only against Scott it because people fucking Don, hated I never it. Scott Conn or his ass. Um, never really had much against him, I guess. But then again, he's not really had much of a career outside what this year. She's loving reason. I know he's kind of got uh, somewhat of a resurgence with Y five O, but, yeah. I mean, he had to do Ready to Rumble, so what kind of a career is that? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, any type of cliche that people or what people imagine, what the real world imagines wrestling fans are, this film acts like that's what we're all like. And I don't like that. I I, I would actually like to see a wrestling movie uh, about, you know, from the fans' point of view, and it's a respectable human being. Yes, there are definitely fans that maybe like David Arquette and Scott Conn's characters in the film, out there, but and maybe there are more than I like to admit that there are. But there are also a great handful of wrestling fans that are respectable citizens of this world, including all of us. Okay, maybe we're not respectable, but you catch my drift. Um, I, catch, I catch your drift. Uh, anything else you want to talk about the film? Uh, DDP. DDP. Um, I actually am a DDP fan. I was when I was a kid. I do agree, though. It was weird seeing him as the main focus on this film. I thought maybe Hogan, Sting, Goldberg, anybody. I thought. Just him being the main heel just seemed weird. It should have been somebody like Hogan. I'm Hogan. next positive he was in the company at the time. Hulk Hogan. Um, Hulk. Now, I did not know, and I, but if he did have more say in this film, like he helped produce it or write it or whatever, I'm going to lose a bit of respect for him then because, what the fuck? This is understandable for, like, Eric Bischoff and all of them, but for DDP, I don't know, it just caught me by surprise. And Oliver Platt, I like Oliver Platt. I don't like him in this film. He's miscast. Who thought he could be a wrestler? Play a wrestler? I'm not saying it. He like It's just it was a terrible miscast, and just to this day it doesn't make sense, especially with Oliver Platt, because I don't think he's never been a wrestling fan, and it just seems like a weird role, even if it was a paycheck. Maybe it just seems like a weird paycheck for him to do. And he's Canadian. Uh, but you know, the, just, it, the film's just not really that funny. I'm gonna <laughs> chuckle every now and then, like at Martin Landau and that. But oh, and uh, Rose McGowan. Definitely, yeah. I'd still say I loved her back then. I mean, oh, God, was she fucking attractive. And still fuck her now. I mean, uh, definitely, I'll admit, I haven't seen the new Conan the Barbarian yet, which I will say I wasn't really interested in it, but you, you two, and Mikey, and I think a few others, like James, uh, James McCormick and them, saying that it's actually kind of entertaining makes me actually kind of want to see it, because I know it got a lot of trash on it, but if it's kind of like a mindless hack and slash type of you know film, I think I'm going to enjoy it. So, and I heard, and the fact that it's very bloody and gory, kind of mm-hmm. very hard R-rated when it could have been like a PG-13 film is making me a bit happy. So I think I'll check it out eventually because I'm starting Perlman. to hear more people, you know, go kinder on it out the backlash against it has died down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't checked it, seen that, but I mean, from what I have seen, I still like, I, I wish she wouldn't do all the plastic surgery, but I always had the hots for her, So mm-hmm. I think that'll always remain. She get All right, it. now on to some wrestling topics. Gun. First, I do want to, before I forget, since Sam brought up the Ring of Honor and, and the current wrestling products, product, I do still like the current wrestling product. I do like Ring of Honor. I definitely get the, I do, I will agree, since I've talked to a few other people, that Ring of Honor and some other independent promotions, they 
they tend to forget that it's not just a spot fest. I have no problem with spot fest in themselves. I love watching uh, Lucha and stuff like that. Because I think with wrestling, you know, I like spot fest. I like hardcore matches. I like psychological matches. I like big man matches. Well, I don't know if I like big man matches. If they're done right, which is a rarity, they can be all right. Um, I will say this, though. Um, Hogan Andre from WrestleMania 3 now now today has been trash as being a horrible main event outside of the slam. I will say this, watching the match, yes, I will admit Savage Team is my favorite match that night. It's one of my favorite wrestling matches. But Hogan Andre delivered in what that promised. I actually thought it was a good, like, big man versus, I guess, I wouldn't want to call Hogan a small man, but a smaller man. Uh, the yeah. Bias Slam, obviously, is legendary. It's the first thing that pops to mind. I think it's actually an all right match. Uh, going in, I guess I thought it might be kind of shit, but I thought it was entertaining. Now, it was fine for what it was. Yeah, strongman okay. matches and, and guys that are giants and stuff like that. It's a different style. It's a different kind of match. And, you know, they're slower. The match isn't going to go as long. But, I mean, it's still – it's not – it's even with that match, you got Andre who could barely move, Hogan who was a big guy. It's two giants against each other is yeah. tough sometimes. But they told a good story. Yeah. When you're just bouncing around like – fucking luchadors doing one move to the next, to the next, to the next. There's a reason why guys kick a guy in the stomach and then walk around a little bit and take their time. And, you know, uh, the other guy sells and shit. It's not just, you know, I'll give you a fucking pile driver on the floor and you're up and in the ring before I fucking get up. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. Okay, here we go. Whatever. A shit Hogan Andre match would be their match at WrestleMania 4 the next year. But hey, that one wasn't the main event. And I know Zom also brought up that wrestling definitely back in the day was more and less, obviously more slower paced, but it was everything was building up towards the main event. Well, now, nowadays, everybody seems to want to be stealing the show. But we do see where he's coming from, and I do agree that maybe it would be better if maybe we worked and fought, you know, towards the main event and built towards it. I don't think it's completely bad if something steals a show on the undercard because. We've got to also understand that a lot of people are going to be talking about that match stealing the show and really positioning it are the internet wrestling fans, as we are known as, the smaller minority who is against maybe like John Cena and Randy Orton in the main event. At the end of the day, people might say there's a better match on the undercard than Cena and Orton in the main event, but what the majority of the fans will always remember, even if it might be a shit match in technical terms, they're going to remember Cena Orton because they're two of the bigger stars in the company right now. So, yeah. and which now it's actually kind of cool to be able to say that Punk is one of the bigger stars as he's one of the most over guys right under Cena. <sighs> but I still enjoy the current wrestling product. I still watch it. Not always. Um, I've been tuning in for all the past couple of weeks because, you know, I'm kind of interested in WrestleMania's coming out. I will say last night's role was fucking throwaway, though. One thing there, bad. Now, I will say for the past 20 or so years, now, yes, talking, especially since the 50s, is always been a part of pro wrestling. It was much better, obviously, in Zom's day because they just dealt with it, maybe quick interviews, and they told the story in the ring. Nowadays, yes, we do tell the story a bit too much. Now, I don't think it's so much of a problem. I get when I go in the Raw, we're going to open up with a 10-minute promo, probably. But with Raw, especially lately, every now and then they'll actually do a show where they'll have a lot more matches and then just some promos. But not lately, they've just been doing promo, 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 quick match, promo, promo, promo. And last night, they just shared a lot of hype packages for the current pay-per-view coming up in Mania. And it almost felt like a throwaway episode of Raw outside of the main event, I think one or two tag matches and the Daniel Bryan Big Show match at the beginning. It is, I'm not going to go completely into it because I know if you, like you two have soured on the product, you know, the whole, there's a Raw, there's a SmackDown, there's two world titles. Which I will say this because I know Zom mentioned how, and a lot of people do feel that the titles have been um, diminished especially with there being two, I say 
though there should only be one world title, what makes that world title to me isn't so much the fact that it is the top belt, it's how the person who is holding it um, acts with it. Mm-hmm. Like with when Daniel Bryan won, and the way he acts out, but when Daniel Bryan won the British Championship, yes, it might be the second tier top title, and sometimes it might get booked early on the card because they have a weird way of booking uh, shit now. But when he won it, and just the pure excitement and just glee that he had, and now the way that he presents himself, because now he's somewhat of a heel now, he's not somebody basically transitioning to a heel, but, you know, the way he keeps, like, now he's, like, the overzealous heel, who, like, last night he was, like, after Elimination Chamber, yeah, I'm still going to be feedback I'm still going to be a vegan, <laughs> I'm still going to be the world heavyweight Sorry, champion, Justin. and every time he wins, he does this, yes, 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 actually, like, the fact that he's this heel that can actually win if he wants to, and sometimes he wins clean, but... He's way too overzealous that even I, as one of his biggest fans, sometimes want to see him get his ass kicked just because he, he's like, if he gets a simple victory, he'll overblow it out of proportions and act like he just won the goddamn uh, main event at WrestleMania. So I like that. But I, it, it's a different, I think, uh, if you want, look at each decade, obviously it, it gets different. I don't think there's anything wrong with Saab being soured on the product. I don't think he's actually going to get back into the product, personally, unless it changes, which is actually fine. I like the fact that you two don't watch the current product yet. You still admit you're wrestling fans because it's funny when you talk to people who don't watch the current product yet still love to watch older wrestling yet they don't call themselves wrestling, wrestling fans. Like, oh, I don't watch. I'm not a wrestling fan yet. You still. I'm like, yeah, you are. You just don't like the current product. Right. Right. But it is better because there are people who don't like the current product yet. They keep turning in week in week out and complaining about it and say, well, one of these days something good's going to happen. I'm going to miss it. Yeah. Well, you miss it live. You can easily catch it online, and you know what? If it starts to get you back in, then you come back in. Let's say five years from now, maybe the new product changes again, and something maybe it goes back old school, or maybe a new you know way of booking that might drag us, drag Zom and Loaf back in. Then you guys hop on the bandwagon again. But if you're not going to like it, you're just not going to like it. It's a shame you don't like. Did Ring he Honor, just call us bandwagon jumpers? With it. And it, I think everything goes with not yet. What you Let me with speak on this, Bubba. Like, <laughs> I think maybe I think he's saying like, we'll jump back on the bandwagon, maybe. Yeah, jump back on the bandwagon. I, think I w- fucking invented the bandwagon, <laughs> motherfucker. Zom was watching wrestling. I invented the bandwagon. Zom was watching wrestling probably before I was born. So 1971. Yeah, definitely. The with uh, with they the, didn't even have a fucking bandwagon when I watched it. Don't you ever talk to me like that? <laughs> I wish I I I don't wish I think to just fucking bam. WWE will not. I don't think that at this point they can get to a point that would entertain me at least on a long period over a long period of time. It's gonna it's gonna take a smaller organization doing something different. Well, they they um they have their own style and they know what they want. They yeah. call it. The WWE style. Now, in the 70s, um, WWF, when Bruno San Martino was the champ for all that, those years, I mean, they had their own style too. The reason it stands out so much, if, if you watch Georgia wrestling, Florida wrestling, or like uh, uh, Memphis wrestling back in the day, mm-hmm. and you never got exposed to WWF, you know, I used to read about them in the magazines and everything. And then, you know, it's like Bruno and superstar Billy Graham or, or uh, you know, Pedro Morales and George Steele and Chief J. Strongbow and all these guys. Then when I finally got to see it, I was like, uh, you know, it wasn't as good because 
most of the guys like it was like a lot of strong man stuff yep. and older guys and they worked a really kind of boring style on TV and everything. But that was WWF style back then. But the thing that the reason it stands out so much now is if you don't like that style, there's very little alternative. Yeah. And because that's the show and that's the main thing that everybody wants to get to WWE, they know they have to be they have to be attractive to WWE and wrestle that kind of style. Yeah. So even in Ring of Honor and stuff like that, they they're the guys that are being trained and stuff, that's what they see on TV and that's what they want to emulate. Whereas you know, back in the old days, every t- the, 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 like Memphis was more of a brawling style, but it had a lot of comedy spots and stuff like that. Not a lot of uh, actual like uh, hold for hold wrestling. Yeah. Uh, Texas and and uh, you know it was blood and guts, mm-hmm. and that's even like ECW. I think one of the reasons people liked it so much is it was a, it was just an alternative. It was so different, and there's a lot of shit about th- stuff about ECW that that was bad because guys got hurt and abused their bodies and you know really bad but um you know it 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 was different it was exciting and it gave you a little bit of that blood and guts and and, but i don't know like i said the only when vince was going through the steroid thing where he was going on trial and he thought he was going to go to prison he he um said you know okay i can't deal with this and do the show and booked the show, so he hired Jerry Jarrett, uh, who you know owned Memphis, uh, and uh, you know the the where Lawler was from. Right. Okay, and, and he came up there, and that's when you got Bret Hart. That's when you got Shawn Michaels, and because Vince loves great big guys, yep. big muscular bodybuilder guys, or great big strong guys, because he's a he's a. Uh, bodybuilding fetishist or whatever and he likes that kind of style plus he grew up with the wwwf style so he kind of emulated that when jerry jarrett came up there it was more wrestling uh you know jake was out there Shawn michaels bret hart and you know those those guys so you and and uh left yeah and hogan left uh so unless and, and you know triple h is right in with McMahon, so he's going to do. And Stephanie's the one running it, so she's going to stick to that shit. And so it's not going to change. The only way it would change is if you brought in like Bill Dundee or or Jarrett or fucking Ole Anderson or Bill Watts or somebody like that. And those guys are getting really, really old now. The guys that should have been teaching these guys, they're fucking all dead. Yeah. They're either all drug addicts and nobody wants to hire them because they're trouble, or they're they. They dropped dead, dead because of those drugs. Yeah. That whole generation, you know, there's a, that middle generation that came up. Guys, we watched in the eight come up mm-hmm. in the 80s uh, and through the 90s. They're they a lot of them, especially the talented ones that had to push themselves farther than they probably should have are not yeah. around now because, you know, the fucking pain kill the pain pills, the, yeah. uh, you know, perfect. And, and, you know, and, Hennig, and, his, I, I, his, is his dad still alive? Larry the Axe, yeah. yeah. He's, See, yeah. That's, that's crazy. And that he's like 70-some years old or 80 years old. Yeah, you know? that a professional wrestler's dad would outlive him by that much. Yeah, and Larry was a fucking wrestler. Harley Race was his tag team partner. Harley Race is still alive. Yeah. And Harley Race took – he was known for bumping, 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 and drinking a lot of beer. But uh, – <laughs> 
the thing is, uh, the perfect person that would have been great and that that blew it on his own uh, out of his own, you know, thing. Jake the Snake. They always say he has one of the best, greatest minds for yep. the business. He he knows how to work in the ring. He knows how to uh, show a person's strengths and cover up their weaknesses. How to do a, an interview where everybody's screaming and he's out there talking like this, you know. And and you you listen because everybody else is out there. I'm gonna kill you. Uh, but he was so fucked up on drugs. They gave him a couple of chances, and he would go out and get on binges and stuff and they fired him so yeah. you know there's a lot of guys like that that could have been good for the business but yeah. they're not but anyway yeah, anyway, it's fucking it's wrestling let's continue let's take a lot of 90s wrestling ECW WCW WWF uh, and some of that is still some of the booking is still present today but I can definitely tell it's changing so who knows maybe 10 years from now I'm definitely going to be the guy that's trying to watch the current product and the current You'll be telling some fucking kid. You, same thing. On itself. <laughs> yeah. Just one of those things I think you kind of outgrown. I just kind of yeah, know something a little philosophical, by. so we'll get off the topic. And we'll go back on to the click, because I wanted to bring that up. Uh, another downfall of WCW is definitely Kevin Nash getting creative control. Um, Loaf brought up that they, they only used the uh, triple cage twice, if I'm correct. I know they had one where it was, it was a triple threat. This is why I think... In, Jared, or Jared Arquette might have won the title back in 2000 because I think it was Slamboree 2000. So triple threat, DDP, Jeff Jarrett, and then with the world champion, David Arquette, mm. who basically just let those two fight in the triple cage. And obviously you can tell in the match, the cage itself was very unsturdy. It, it definitely looked like it was going to break. And I don't remember that match being good. And one of the matches I didn't even know took place, but I bought WWE put out a best of WCW Monday Night Show DVD set, and one of the matches on there was from I think 2000 2001. It was this huge, like all the top stars were in the triple cage, and the thing was the world title was at the top, and whoever grabbed it, that not only did grabbing it got the title, but you had to actually walk, grab it, then come the whole way back down and walk out the door with it. Meaning that if you grabbed the thing went up to the top, grabbed it, and came to the whole bottom, but let's say Goldberg speared him and grabbed the title and walked out, Goldberg would be the champion without actually doing any climbing. But obviously they went on each level, and you could just tell, like, you could tell a lot of them were like, especially like seeing that, were like very uncomfortable being on there, and it just looked like it could just collapse at any minute. Mm-hmm. But this being WCW, Nash came in, didn't do much. They Obviously they mentioned his creative control, and they had the whole match, just kind of all these guys beating the shit out of each other, and then one guy brings it down, hands the belt to Nash, and he walks out. It's one of that bullshit where I just, Kevin Nash seems, like Triple H too, we'll get on to, seems to have this insecurity problem where he needs to be on top for him to feel better. And one and thing he's I'm smarter not liking, than everybody. I, I'm liking against the Triple H's at least. I mean, yeah. until Vince dies, Vince has full control over there to be. That's what it is. But obviously now Triple H is married to Stephanie, he's going to get a bit more control, because at least with the booking. And but Kevin Nash now come back to WB and God forbid we had to have another Triple H Kevin Nash fucking feud in 2011 because that's one I want to see. Two men who have a bad history of blowing their quads in a fucking ladder match. That makes complete sense. I might jump but on the bandwagon and watch that. Kevin Nash CM Punk match, but but Jay Steppa turned into CM Punk uh, Triple H. But Kevin Nash kind of just called himself because obviously Kevin Nash has let success go to his head as always, especially the whole NWA thing, but. Punk, you know, trying to do the whole, we want new shit, you know, with this new movement coming out and says, this isn't 1996 anymore. Well, how has Kevin Nash responded to that? Yeah, well, in 1996, I was this and that. I'm thinking, when somebody calls you out and saying, it's not 1996 anymore, you can't come back with, well, 1996. No, it's not 1996. It was 2001 and now it's 2012. 
you know, it's one of those things. It's true. Uh, but no, I never really liked Kevin Nash. I think he's, I think he has okay matches, but I just, he should never be, have, a, you know, creative He's a schmoozer. Game. As for Triple H, he is a damn fine wrestler, but man, does he have some type of insecurity problem. Um, actually, I think one of my friends brought it up. It's all about the game, baby. Analysis is why he might always have to feel like he needs to be on top, and he doesn't. Even if he doesn't maybe try it, he makes a lot of other people look like shit and him look like the best. I mean, they had a storyline where he was running Raw then, and all the, the entire roster pretty much walked out on him. So when he opened up Raw and only a few were left, and they were all outside protesting because they wanted him not to be in charge, you know, some bullshit. Um, this is some of the stuff I'm not the biggest fan of. Um well, he basically said, I'll just wrestle, I'll wrestle a broom. I'll probably get a better match out of it than half that locker room. And I'm like, you don't fucking say that. You don't just make it sound like the, the majority of your roster Sucks. is outdone by a fucking broom. That's just, especially when you're doing it to make yourself sound better. That's stupid. That's, getting, that's why sometimes people don't take the undercard seriously. It, it, it bothers me when he does shit like that. And it's yeah. like, but the theory that my friend came up with is, Despite the fact that he does have a lot of accomplishments in wrestling, he's never going to be on the same level as a Hulk Hogan, Triple H, you know, sorry, Triple H, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, or The Rock, or even The Undertaker, but especially those main three in the public side. The uh, He's never, yes, he's done a few appearances in movies and, you know, maybe a few talk shows, but for the majority of it, when people who don't particularly follow wrestling, if you mention wrestling, when the first three people's names that will come to mind are Hogan, Austin, and Rock in today's age, Triple H mm-hmm. is not going to come up. Hell, it's a good possibility that Shawn Michaels might come to somebody's mind before Triple H. And speaking on Shawn Michaels, if you like to suck cack. in the 90s, um, <laughs> I do know he's found, you know, God and new decade, and he has apparently turned. And I will believe that he's at least turned. How can you find something uh, that doesn't exist? A bit more nice because pretty much everybody, including hated him, at least says now he's a good person. Does that excuse the shit he pulled in the 90s? Fuck now, he was a goddamn fucking asshole in the 90s. He fucked Should Brett never over. Been there. And I think that was an insecurity problem in the 90s. He wasn't a big guy. There's that theory that, you know, because, you know, with Vader being the soft, you know, being this gigantic man, but being, you know, kind of soft and very emotional, and even Big Show can be. I think with his, and Mark Henry's very nice, I heard in real life. I think the thing is, when somebody's much bigger, Sans Kevin Nash is not going to be in this, but when somebody's much bigger. Mark Henry. Oh, Mark Henry. (laughs) Silverback. Silverback. Oh, my God. So much more racist than any African uh, uh, stereotype they've ever done with a black wrestler. That's all right. With that size all their life, they don't need to act tough. They they kind of are. What's the point? So they they're going to kind of maybe get in touch more. They're yeah. I guess you could say sensitive size. They're just not going to be natural. So with somebody like Shawn Michaels size, they need or <laughs> obviously Mark Wahlberg now since he thinks he's a big badass with that whole fucking nine eleven comment. They, they're not. That's the injustice all over the fucking place. But they think the badasses. <laughs> So they got to make badass comments, or if they get like Shawn Michaels got a whole click and something behind him, he'll use that to his advantage. That was a fucking dick asshole move. He's but pissed, man. At least they probably at least turned the table, and he is a fine wrestler. Calm but down. There's not really much we can say much more on that. Um, well, are you sure? Anything else I want to talk about? I could have rambled on more, but you know what? I'm going to oh stop because if I want to talk wrestling, I'll be here all fucking day. But yeah, I just say that was great. Um, I definitely will be checking out Night in the City if I'm correct. That was called. And yes, Ready to Rumble is a piece of shit. All right, guys. Have a good one. Yeah. I could have I I just played the first five seconds and the last five the seconds. Last, it still would have made sense. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Seriously. Uh, we joke around. Justin's fucking – he's a big part of the show. Aces, man. It's like it, that, that's, that is like his segment. I said he's the roving – our roving masochist on the street. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, good, good guy. A little, little bit high strung. Little, uh, you know, little, 
yeah. Might be a serial killer. But that's okay. He fucking, I don't know, man. <laughs> let's let's move on. We got more voice. But thank you very much for that, uh, Justin. Thanks, Justin. We don't saying, we, we don't necessarily want twenty minute voicemails every week, but thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, you know. All right, next voicemail. It went fast. Oh, self high five. When I'm not on my AT. Calling in. Uh, podcast. Podcast. I listened to your recent wrestling episode, and I <laughs> I have thoughts about one movie. Namely, That's Ready to Rumble. Night in the City. Oh. Ready to Rumble. Okay, what? let me remind you people. Never heard I watch all sorts of shit for my show. I've watched stuff that has royally set me action off, action. has pissed me off to no end, but still, somehow, I managed to find the willpower to actually watch these entire train wrecks. Pocket Ninjas, I'm looking at you. <laughs> but Ready to Rumble is a movie that I think I've had to watch. He's Three times in my life. Thing. And not because I love it so much, but because I couldn't even finish it, those previous viewings, that I had to actually, through sheer force of will, manage myself to watch this entire will movie. from Canada? So let me put it to you this <laughs> way. Forced you to watch that? <laughs> Ready to rumble? What a jerk. What All a jerk. Right. He got cut off again. <laughs> Poor Mikey. He's just a common man. Little Mikey, once again, because David Arquette estate shut me off. <laughs> After a minute and 20 seconds, because I was about to say David Arquette is a shitty actor. He can't fucking act. Every time I see him in a role, I want to punch him because he's such an obnoxious fucking tool. Yes. Mikey, testify. That's what I have a good point about WCW. Why is it they always had to have fucking run-ins in the matches? You know, I was a steady watcher of Nitro and Thunder back in the mid to late 90s. Me too, dog. Like me too. Every single fucking match had to have a run, and it was just pissing me off. But I'm going to leave on a positive note here. Namely, Rose McGowan, she can boot me to death any day <laughs> of the week. Although, well, I don't know. I'd have to really look at the side-by-side comparisons about the plastic surgery. It didn't really bother me in Conan. And by the way, if you both want she to do a Conan, like Conan in the name of the king to double feature, go right ahead. I yes. will refer yes, listeners be good. to my own brand of douchebaggery and dumbassery over to a higher standard of podcast, namely oh Silver and Gold podcast hosted by Sirs Piccolo and Dr. Dom. Speaking of which, I shall leave you classy gentlemen to your rest of your day. Another fine show, chaps. And I, of course, shall look forward to conversing with you again soon. Toodaloo. Why don't we just do it with Mikey? You want to fucking do a show with Mikey? Yeah, yeah. We won't let him talk just like we did on his show. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as he said the part about us being classy, I had just flipped over to my Facebook and saw a picture of that girl with with the uh, tremendous uh, buns. (laughs) Man, that's a big old butt. Uh, to have a big wiener just to fucking hit the ho- to get to the hole. <laughs> wiener, wiener. Last voicemail. Who's this fucker? <laughs> I don't know. This one came in while we were recording, so here we go. Yes, Justin, probably. No. Oh God. Is it Kidney Man? Yes. This is Richard Burton. Richard Burton. You're doing one of my flutes. Me and Liz Taylor love to listen to your podcast. I also love to drink. Dura. Lord George, today, boy. Do it with a breeze. Oh, Danny boy. Lord George, today, boy. Come in, Danny boy. 
<laughs> he's a uh, heavy. Ah, motherfucker. He's heavy on the entrails. He's got entrails on the brain. He didn't know what he was doing. He's so crazy. He's I'm so crazy. It's baby. <laughs> so thank you, Mr. Burton. Hey, I, got, I, have a, uh, I have a special request. I don't even know. You know, He called into the show. I don't even know if he listens to the show. But um, I would – I might even have a gift – for the best person, and this includes you now it won't it won't be because we have to have a comparison, something to compare it to, something authentic to compare it to. Have Bryn be the the uh, the uh, the test subject, uh-huh. and I want to hear his best version of Danny Boy, and then if someone can call in because we you know he's got to have a fucking hell of a version, yeah. <laughs> being that he's Scottish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you mean Spanish? But, well, whatever. It's something to start with the nest. But if someone, this will be our next death match. Uh, and I have, I have something very special here that I that I bought to give away. And if someone can call in now, Bryn might he might keep the mantle of of uh, you know our best Irish crooner. With his version of Danny Boy, but if someone else can call in and knock him off the pedestal, they might get this uh, secret special gift. Also, you heard it here first: secret special gift. Yeah, and that was just off the top of my head because I was cleaning, and this secret special gift has been sitting in on my goddamn coffee table for so long. Uh, yeah, it needs to go out. Cool. So let's hear your guys' versions of oh Danny boy the pipes the pipes are calling and we're gonna go ahead and say Brins is the best he is the benchmark well he's yeah he's the benchmark he's authentic yes but he still can win we got a couple people that can call in and compete though just by default of course Justin will give an 18 minute version of Danny boy <laughs> but you know hey that's cool too <laughs> just want some we want some participation now last time when we had the uh was it the Battle Royal, we did have some participation, which was really cool. So this time we're going to make it harder because it's going to be subjective. Loaf and I are going to be like – it's going to be like American Idol, except it's going to be Irish Idol. And we are going to pick um, – someone's going to get a special gift and the losers will get a shillelagh up the arsehole <laughs> in their kidneys. Into Right into their kidneys, right into your fucking pee Right strainers. into your kidney pie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is commonly known as your butthole. All right. Uh, yeah. So let's do it. That's the show. That's that's the contest. That's our show. No more. No more voicemails. That's what, that's it. Justin, just, we're going to give you two more minutes to call in again. Justin, go. Go. We're just going to wait for two minutes. You know, I didn't even feel that bad about the 18-minute call because you have to realize that if it was a normal person, that would have been like. Uh, probably 45 minutes to a 50-minute call. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like the, uh, the fucking wind zip. You know, you compress it, jam it in there, and uh, or, you know, a penis. <laughs> okay. Um, Bandwagon, a motherfucker. What's wrong with him? I don't know. Um, all right, so next week we're going to do a couple of uh, – NASCAR or stock car? No, I don't know how to pronounce this word. Is it biopics or biopics? Mm-hmm. 
Either way. I don't we're, know. We're going to do a couple of uh, <laughs> yes. stock car driver movies. Yes. We have... Because we're rednecks. We are rednecks. 19, we're in the cradle. The birthplace. I am in the birthplace of it. Um, <clears throat> Grease Lightning from 1977, starring a Mr. Richard Pryor and a Mr. Bob Ridges and Pam Greer. Ow. Ow. And... Um, we're going to do a Jeff Bridges movie from 1973. About hey, nobody can run old Junior Johnson off the road. Junior Johnson. 1973, The Last American Hero. Or The Last American Her, if you look at my post-it. <laughs> so, also known as Hard Driver. So, yeah, a couple of NASCAR flicks next week. Now, we were going to do a couple of uh, – another couple of movies, but one of them was the Tom of Finland documentary. We're just kind of worried about this one. Um, Sammy posted it on our group. It's a 50-minute documentary, and we're not feeling confident about our abilities to review a 50-minute documentary that may or may not suck. So uh, we'll have to figure out something else to do with that. So so anyway, still in the works with that. But uh, So for next week, we're doing, the, we're doing Stock Cars, Last American Hero, Grease Lightning. And that's about it for me. Oh, Gary Busey is in Last American Hero as well. So awesome. Uh, Zom, do you have anything else to add to this fine episode? Not a thing. Not a um, No. No, not really. Nah. I've got nothing. So thanks to everyone that called in. Thanks a lot, guys. Richard Burton. Yeah, especially Richard Burton. Because he was like really beat up. He used to be an athlete <clears throat> or something. <laughs> yes. Poor guy. Drank himself to death. God, um, man. It, you know what? He must have had something because goddamn Elizabeth Taylor, first of all, didn't he marry her like five fucking times or something <laughs> yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. And she had huge – when she was young, man, she was hot. And after him, you know, just about every guy she went out with was like gay. Mm-hmm. Or was that Liza Minnelli? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Who gives a shit. <laughs> Either way. Oh, whatever. Hey, let me ask you a question. Did okay. you, you watch Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, more, yeah. Yeah, kind of. I kind of watched. Did you watch work. the halftime show? No, I missed okay. the halftime show because uh, I had to watch it on my iPad, and they mm-hmm. on the mobile feed they did not have a real halftime show. They just had two mm-hmm. guys standing in a fucking dirty hallway talking about the game. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you what you thought of Madonna's performance, so but I, I guess we can. won't never. We'll never know. We'll never know because I'm not going to track it down. <laughs> never, never. All right, that's about it for us. Uh, until next week. This is Loaf Oot and Zom Oot. Bye bye.